This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Phone lines are open. You can talk about anything, of course. And, Mark, last night, you would started an email that we never got a chance to finish. Because we took one call, and that led to another, and that led to another, and that led to another That's discussion. the nature of Free Talk Live. It's the way things go. So I, I, sometimes I feel bad for the emailers on this show, uh, but... I, you know, I, I sort of do, and I sort of don't. It's not like uh, we haven't said it a, a hundred thousand times on the air. It's free talk live, not free email live. If you want to get what you want said, you need to call in. Best way to do um, it, yeah. You know, true. if you send an email, we'll do our best if it's a good show topic to get to it. But, uh, I, you know, I, 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 you're lucky to get a response from us, let alone uh, get it read on the air. Well, I, we do get a lot of emails. But... We do, and, and you know, you, you may be the most articulate uh, scribe on the planet. However, this is radio. This is a talk show. <laughs> okay. All right. So, toll-free number for you uh, to take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. Let's start by uh, by finishing this out because we just barely got it started uh, last night. And yep. it's about healthcare. This is uh, right, it's a Canadian uh, Canadian free market healthcare. And what he's talking about when he references that is cuz everybody knows I I would think that Canada has a government-run healthcare system, so How could it be free market? It's not free market. Uh, of course, this system in the United States is not free market either because it's mostly government controlled here. Uh, but what he's referencing is that there are certain sectors of healthcare in Canada that are still marketized, if you will. There are certain sectors such as, uh, he starts out the email by saying, I think, optometrists and dentists. And dentists. And we presume veterinarians because that's how it is here in uh, in the in the United States. Sure, well. but uh, it's difficult to go get a good, uh, an operation from a veterinarian if sure. you're a human. So let's pick up there. Right. Um, so he says, I currently have a family physician whom I have been seeing for just for the last 10 years or so. And it's gotten to the point that I am no longer comfortable seeing him because I have known one of his sons since I was four. I don't entirely understand why this is. But OK, let's let's assume the guy's a little little odd when it comes to this area of being of, of, of his privacy. OK. And as far as I'm concerned, somebody should be free to do that. Well, I should probably just get over it and keep in mind the whole patient confidentiality thing. It, it mm-hmm. still feels pretty awkward. However, I have almost no chance to get a new family physician because waiting lists average anywhere from one to three years to get in to apply with a new physician, let alone being accepted. And that's if if you already have a physician like I do, it can be even longer. Because imagine for a second if it takes one to three years for your application to be reviewed to see a new physician. And when they do review this application, and I'm sure there's a little checkbox, do you currently have a physician? And since it's a government-run system, they likely check these things Mm -hmm. when you check these boxes. Then they have to pick somebody um, who either has a physician or not in order to in this application process. So if you don't, it's probably a decade before uh, before you get a new physician. Wow. Because the government system is not about customer service. Why they, would it be? They have no incentives to uh, to satisfy you in any way, shape, or form. Hey, you're lucky, apparently, if you even have a physician in their system. He says, compare this with optometry in Canada. 
as this is a relatively free market system, I was able to shop around and find a good opto- optometrist. I needed new glasses. I called around to various providers. One offered me a 10% discount on my purchase if I were to, um, if I went to the optometrist who had his office next door to them. And so I decided to go with their recommendation. I was able to get a, an appointment four days later at 7 p.m. so I wouldn't even have to miss work. Not only was he... Seven. Ex- <laughs> yes, 7 Imagine PM. a government bureaucrat going home at 7 o'clock at night. No. Not only was he extremely professional and friendly, but he made use of the latest equipment as um, to test my eyes. Then, when I was finished, his assistant had already filled out the forms I needed to submit to my private health insurance provider in order to be refunded for the cost of the exam. Mm-hmm. They filled out the, the forms. Right. Because you can't imagine a bureaucrat filling out the forms for you. Doesn't work that way with no, the state, huh? never, ever. Now, back to the socialized medical systems here in Canada. I have never been in the ER room myself, but I have taken people before, and in all of my experience, I have never um, waited less than eight hours to be seen by a doctor. (laughs) But beyond that, when treatment is needed, it is usually another four hours or more. That's up to 12 hours in a normal situation to be seen and treated, sitting on hard plastic chairs in a waiting room that hasn't been updated for 20 years. Keep in mind that it's illegal in my province for a doctor to provide service for cash, so there there are no other options. In comparison, um, this time I've recently had an experience with the dental system. I had not had a dentist for the last eight years as my dentist left the industry. A few years ago, I was eating my lunch when I felt something hard. It was a piece of one of my teeth that had broken off. Happened to me once, too. Not having a dentist, I... I have dreams about that sometimes. I'll have dreams where my teeth are just falling out of my mouth. It's really creepy. It means you're crazy. (laughs) So I opened the yellow pages... The first dentist I called was able to get me an emergency work for an hour later. I went in, and they sat me on a um, massaging heated dentist chair with a window view. Wow, nice. They saw that there was a cavity that that had broken off and immediately cleaned it up and did the filling. Mm. I was finished 30 minutes later. Within an hour from the incident. Yep. After leaving, his um, assistant offered to submit um, my claim to my private insurance electronically, leaving me with only needing to pay the 20% not covered by my insurance. She also offered to bring me in as a patient and scheduled me for a full exam and cleaning. My new dentist has been nothing but professional and takes me um, and takes time to make sure that I understand what is needed. I know that this is only the experience of one person, but I'm sure that I'm not alone. Within Canada, it is easy to see the difference between free market and socialized health care. Sounds like it. Yep. That's amazing. And and this, at the same time, the charade goes on with the government health care promoters out there pimping their product as though it is just the greatest thing, as though that this is it's so wonderful. And, and all this week we've been we've discussed this topic. Some people have uh, experienced the, the socialized health care system. They enjoy it. They, they, they really like it. Mm-hmm. And I, to, to them, I, I've got to say, you know, I feel your experience is valid. But when you're talking about something as important as your health, and it really should be one of the top five most important things in the world, what are you doing in America if you think the system's so bad? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be nasty or anything, but yes, it's true that most of the healthcare systems in the world are socialized. Why are you sticking around here? I mean, not, that, not to say that ours isn't socialized. I'm not trying to run anybody out, but I just wonder. These are, these are my questions. Why? Yeah, it's convenient. It's never convenient to so move. So jam it down my throat? I'm not interested. Right. Right. Well, I'm not going to go along with it if they uh, come out with their little government health care. I don't. I don't go along Social Security. I don't right. pay my. I don't pay Social Security. Uh, I have no intention of doing it. Well, the IRS is going to be, uh, from what I understand, if their plan goes through, 
it's the IRS who is intending to administrate this plan. So you may have to stop paying taxes at the same time, Mark. It may be. That's an interesting story. I don't know what I'm going to do. Interesting story, nonetheless. Uh, always uh, intriguing to you know compare people's experiences. And what we could pull out here is that because he talked about the dentists there in Canada and and dental uh, care here in the United States is also very competitive. Yes. Uh, there are fewer regulations, as I understand it, on the dental industry than there are in the healthcare industry in general. And comparing his experience with the dentist, where he was seen within an hour from having the problem. And then a half hour later, having the problem solved, to what somebody in Great Britain would experience going to an NHS dentist. Because in Great Britain, where they're known for their bad dental hygiene and dental health, uh, they have a government-run dental program. They also have a private one, but you know, it's 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 just difficult because it's so regulated. So it's it's always interesting to hear those stories. The last time I heard, a, I think it was a Great Britain story. People were pulling their teeth out with pliers rather than go down and deal with the government's well, bureaucrats. it's not that they didn't want to deal with them. It's just that they couldn't get an appointment. Well, there's that, too. Yeah. And, and then these are people that basically have been taught that all medical care is free. So why in the world would they pay for it? I don't know how easy or hard it is to get into a, one of these paid dentists in, in Great Britain. And I'll tell you what, I'd pay somebody to pull my teeth out with uh, and give me some Novocaine before I pulled them out with pliers. With pliers. When you take Depends when you on how take poor somebody, you are, I guess that that much is true. But when you take someone who's used to getting free medical care and then you suggest that they pay for it, it's as foreign to them as sending somebody as sending their kid to a, a private school. Why in the world would I send my kid to private school? They've got public school. I'd rather go berate the administration about how poorly they're educating my kid day after day, week after week, year after year, than actually yeah okay. pay for a good education for my kid right because complaining doesn't actually do anything not when you it comes to the government the government's used to complaints right you can complain all you want to the bureaucrats and they'll just say well it's not my department not my responsibility oh did you pay your taxes yet 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll-free line you can bring up what you want dial in toll-free this is free talk live Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com. Click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out the online form. Earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features there, and they are free, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They are yours on us, freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. You can incorporate a business, create a will or living trust, even register a trademark. We've got LLCs over there, any, anything, any common legal document that you need. They're empowering you and protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. It's LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save an additional $10 off this I really already extraordinarily uh, you know, financially sound option to getting a lawyer. It's LegalZoom.com. 
All right, we're going to take your phone calls about whatever you want. We go to Samus in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, Ian. Hi, Mark. Hey, hey what's on your mind tonight? Well, I'm fairly new to your boys' show, and, well, I like most of what you're saying, but there's one thing I have a problem with. Ah, uh, and what's that? You're always promoting and telling people to buy gold and silver. i got to tell you, that's a horrible idea. Why? Why do you say that, Seamus? Do you know who that money goes to, who that money supports? Who the money that you're paying for the gold and silver with? Yes, who produces the gold and brings it here? Produces it? The most miners, gold, I most guess. gold's in exist, been in existence for quite some time. I mean, it gets melted down. Somebody mined it at some point, right? At some point or another, but I mean, it could, have, it could very well have been 3,000 years ago. That's a common misconception. The gold comes from the leprechauns of Ireland. <laughs> I thought Seamus, I thought that was Scottish. Maybe I just don't know these things. And what are the leprechauns doing that's so bad, Seamus? These leprechauns aren't the happy little fellas you see on cereal boxes here in the States. No? They're evil little things. They cause lots of havoc. Really? I thought they were... Uh, gra- don't leprechauns grant wishes? Or no, they don't do that, huh? Is that just... Yeah, how many people do you know actually have gotten to see a leprechaun and survived? It's a good I, point. And I, I are... don't know. How, how, am I, how am I to know that they exist, then? Well, there are horror movies about them. I've seen that. And, and in the horror movies, they're not very nice, are they? Not at all. They're so, evil little things, and I really got to say, you guys got to stop promoting people buy gold and silver. Well, what should we promote? I mean, it seems that gold and silver are a great way to hedge against inflation, to protect your value from, uh, the, you know, from the government continually printing out more money. What would you recommend instead? Trade the way people used to do it thousands and thousands of years ago. <laughs> you have things of value, and you trade it for things that you want with other people. But there's a reason why that... Isn't that what gold and silver is? Right. There's a reason why that uh, trade kind of went out the, the window thousands of years ago, and that's because it makes more sense to have a you know a common go-between between people. That, right. Uh, I've got chickens. And Ian's got coconuts, coconuts, and we want to, but he doesn't want any chicken, no. and I don't want any coconuts. Yeah. Well, then I'm sorry, but your SOL, you really got to find a better way. I mean, I know paper money isn't the best, but it's better than supporting the leprechaun. I tell you, these things are evil. I thank you. I thank you for the call tonight. It was a great, great crank. I appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, and you can bring up anything much better than the awful soundboard calls uh, we've we've been getting. So, toll-free, 800-259-9231. Hey, uh, here's a story about this supposed trend that has been rumored will will be uh, starting on the Internet sometime soon. And maybe this is the very beginning uh, end of it. And we'll see how far this spreads. I love this crap. It is hilarious. Because I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> it's so funny. Go ahead. Tell me. Newsday.com. And they are reporting on themselves in this particular article. So it's Newsday.com, writing about Newsday.com. And, Mark, when I mentioned to you Newsday.com was going to be a subscriber website from now on, you said, what is Newsday.com? And I probably have been to their website a handful of times, just kind of over the years, finding show prep there. But I guess I won't be using them for show prep anymore, because as of yesterday, two days ago, most of Newsday.com will only be available to subscribers, people who are willing to pay $5 a week. $5 a week. I mean, wh- whatever newspaper they're selling, they have the ex- – I can't even ma- imagine what they're trying to sell their daily newspaper for if they have such a thing. I mean, that's, that's a lot of jack on a daily basis. 
Well, I know that the newspaper around here, we do the show from Keene, New Hampshire. They've raised their prices recently twice, from what I understand. Yeah. It went to 60 cents, and now it's at 75 cents. They're for printing dollars, you know, and, and so things are becoming, you know, cost, more costly. Well, I understand. But Price does go I up. love this, this business plan. This is the business plan of 60-year-old editors saying, this, the Internet's just another way of distributing newspapers. This free Internet stuff is a passing fad. It's disgusting the way these people are getting free news on the Internet. But I, you know, our news is so great, we'll charge five dollars a week. It may very well be, and gosh darn it, I hope, I hope it works for them. I really do. But it absolutely does. You know, if you want my opinion, it is not going to work because there's just so much free news on the internet that people aren't going to pay Newsday five dollars a week. Are their reporters that good? That they would know. have to be. Now, now, apparently, you can get a free subscription if you're already a subscriber to their print version, I suppose. If you are a customer of uh, their online, they've Optimum Online, whatever that is, or the newspaper itself, then I guess you'll be in, uh, in for free. But non-paying customers will have access to some of Newsday's information, including their homepage, school closings, weather obituaries, classified, and entertainment listings. Newsday cool described them. They described the move. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a local website, does it? Uh, they described the move as one that would create a pioneering web model, combining <laughs> the, yeah, the newspapers. We will come along and kick each one of our subscribers right in the crotch. It's pioneering. I mean, well, you know. they're not going to kick their subscribers in the crotch. They're going to kick all their free uh, free users. Well, no, it's the subscribe. But the subscribers have to pay. And wouldn't it be pioneering if you went around and kicked all your subscribers in the crotch? I suppose they combine. They'll be combining the newspaper's news-gathering services with Cablevision's electronic distribution capabilities. They're owned by a company called Cablevision Systems. I think I've heard of Cablevision. About 75% of Long Island households are Newsday home delivery or Cablevision online customers, or both, according to Newsday. Optimum online customers total 2.5 million. We're excited about this model because in addition to a unique ability to immediately reach about 75% of the households, we believe in the hyper-local, we believe the hyper-local approach is right for Long Island. The new strategy comes as newspapers have been scrambling to replace the advertising-based model after years of steep revenue decline. Charging viewers for online content has been debated in the newspaper industry for the past few years. According to an economic research firm, he says, in the long term, it's a zero-sum game. Basically, what you're doing is shutting off younger audiences from getting access and becoming fans of your content. So it strikes me as a pretty short-term protective measure that will be a great case study for the industry. However, a, another consulting firm said the current model of free online content is not a rational model. Despite the false premise that has been floating around for the last 19 years, that information on the Internet wants to be that information on the internet wants to be free it is just not true people have always been willing to pay for information that they felt was useful to them and that is true i think that's true i think that if something yeah. is valuable people will pay for it and they'll understand that but i also agree with the other consultant who said that you're going to shut off a, a, a you know fairly large potential audience chunk by blocking them out by forcing them to become a subscriber if if that's how they want to uh, to view your content but if they've never viewed your content before, then how are you going to convince them to become a subscriber? Well, they say they're going to offer a little bit of, uh, of content. I, I, I'm very skeptical of this working. We will find out, I suppose, over time. Maybe it'll be a big uh, windfall for them, but I wouldn't pay five bucks a week for a newspaper online subscription. Would you? 800-259-9231. I mean, here on Free Talk Live, we offer a voluntary contribution of three bucks a month. 
Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you enjoy this program, you can voluntarily support the show. We were just talking about how uh, Newsday, which is apparently a Long Island newspaper has decided to change their online format. They are no longer going to be a free subscription or a free uh, online newspaper. They are going to put everything pretty much almost everything, maybe with the exception of a handful of of items uh behind a wall. You'll have to pay $5 a week if you want to get access to that. I mean, that's that's over $250 per year to access this newspaper stories. Seems like a pretty hefty subscription, doesn't it? And what's a what's a year's newspaper subscription cost? It's not two hundred and fifty dollars. No, I it? wouldn't think it would be. Not if you uh not if you paid paid in the, in advance. Yeah. So it's it's pretty outrageous. And it's not how we do business here at Free Talk Live. The way we do things is we give you the show for free. And we give you the content on the website for free, which includes the bulletin board system, the wiki and everything that we've got there, all the archives back to for an entire year of our archives. All free at freetalklive.com. And then, because we do agree, at least with one of the Newsday people or one of their consultants, who'd said that people who value content are willing to pay for it. I agree with that statement. It's just that I'm willing to give my content away knowing that I expect somebody's going to pay for it. I think that's, hey, let's do this radio show. Let's have fun doing it. Let's put it out on the Internet. Let, and, of course, over 50 radio stations. Let's put it out there. And let's, uh, you know, let people who want to support it, support it. And it's working for us. We have over 500 of our listeners contributing as little as three bucks a month to this show. Now, in return for that, they do get some perks like access to the Amp Only call in lines, chat room, the Amp Only podcast, uh, the Amp Only forum, and more. You can get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. So there's a few things to, to sweeten the deal, but you get the bulk of the show, you get all the shows, you get all of the web content that we have all right up front. And shock and amazement, people still, even though they can get everything free, even though they, you know, the free rider problem should be a problem, uh, but it's, it's not. Certainly the majority of people do not pay. It's true. But I'd rather get this show and our ideas and our advertisers' messages into as many people's ears as possible, and then down the line, the ones that value it the most, get them to support us. That's how it works for us. It's been working great. And it works better the more people's ears we can get into. But if we were to put Free Talk Live behind a big wall on the Internet and say, hey, we've got this great radio show, just pay us $3 a week to uh, find out how great it is. I can you only know? imagine. I can only imagine how little we w- would have grown in the past when, when we started getting syndicated in 2004. Yeah, five years ago. Yeah, yeah I, I just I, I can only, I, I just can't imagine right. how slowly we would have grown. So, uh, so if you want to become a Free Talk Live amplifier, we would love to have you uh, at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and all we're asking for is three bucks. 
per month. <laughs> These newspaper people are charging five bucks a week for their antiquated old format content attempting to, uh, they're, that they're attempting to shove down everyone's throats uh, on, in an online version, which they're going to have a very tough time doing because other people, uh, people are just going to go somewhere else to get their news. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. Let's go to your phone calls. Corby is in Florida on the amp line. Hello, Corby. Hey, guys. I uh, wanted to say thank you for the let me talk. Um, first thing is I wonder how the advertisers of that newspaper are going to respond when they realize that their number of people viewing their online ads is going to be reduced you know, dramatically when it becomes a pay-per-view fee. I mean, like, people have any other newspaper online to read. I mean, that's kind of amazing that they're going to try that. The, adver- you know, the ones that are free are just kind of boom, but that ain't well, what I called. Sorry. Speaking, speaking of, uh, as the advertising professional here in the room, I can tell you that uh, – Likely, the people who are selling the ads are selling ads to people who want newspaper advertising, not people who want internet advertising. So they're throwing it in, sort basically. Of local internet advertising, you know, that that hasn't taken off terribly, terribly well in the world yet. Um, there's certainly, you know, national internet uh, advertising is is big business, but kind of local internet advertising isn't that big a business. So the the salespeople are selling to people who want to advertise in the newspaper and then giving them additionally. Uh, you know, online ads. So Still, though, probably the, the won't value affect is lowered too, too much. But, yeah, but it the does. Value is it lowered. does. Sure. Well, they say we don't sell that many paper ads anymore. People read more online than they used to. So they anyway. do read more online, but don't don't think for a second that uh, that newspapers aren't still the powerhouse in the area of advertising. Right. Well, anyway, the reason why I called is. Um, have you all covered that uh, the Tennessee State Assembly recently sent a letter to all 49 other states urging them to uh, limit the powers of the abuses of the federal government? If you uh, Google, they can't push us around forever, mm-hmm. you'll yeah, be taken that. to the letter. But basically, it, uh, you know, I'm trying to get to a step in the right direction that at least, uh, you know, this may lead to another civil war because, of course, Tennessee was probably one of the ones that told us they can't, things they don't they like to be told what to do, but. Basically, it's just nice to see the the only people that can stand up with the government is the government. We don't have any ability to do so. So it's nice to see one state at least, you know, try to stick up for our rights, yeah. the rights of the... You know, I've, I've heard a lot of talk about that. I've, certainly, people have called in to tell us uh, in gleeful uh, terms how happy they are that their state government people are batting around the idea of nullification or of basically just telling the federal government no on certain things, whether it's real ID or whatever mandates they're trying to shove down their throats. And I think that's good. Um, I think that a lot of them are essentially toothless, a lot of these proposals that – there was one in here in New Hampshire that actually didn't even go through, uh, but essentially it, it does. It didn't. Some of these uh, proposals didn't really have any real consequences to them. It was just more of a, a political posturing uh, than anything part else. The, yeah, part of the problem is that they issue the currency in these states that they don't say yes to certain things. They don't get grants and money for roads, and nobody wants to yes. politician that doesn't get new schools built in their district because they didn't say yes, government, you're great, you know. Yeah, so it's kind of hard for them to do two rebelling when they're the ones that feed. They're kind of like me, I can't rebel on my, you know, my employer because they feed me. You know, you have to be mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you're tamed to the, you know, the mouth that feeds you. So absolutely, kind of and those have. government bureaucrats love that money, and they don't want to let that go. They've built programs surrounding those things. There are people that have jumped well, on board. I think with it's those a, programs. a huge value um, when anyone talks about independence for a, a particular, you know, state, it, it, just simply because. Brings the conversation 
um, around. You know, people need to know that the Tenth Amendment exists and that states are, in fact, you know, sovereign from the federal government by their own documents. Um, and you know, that I, I find that to be of, of huge value. Yes, there are some some integral problems to it, but I don't think they're insurmountable. Yeah, and finally, I wanted to say that that was you can't really argue. Well, nobody's ever seen a leprechaun and told about it. That's kind of a hard argument to argue with. There, he kind of got you there. But, but also, you should learn to like coconuts, and you should learn to like chickens. I mean, you know, that's just sorry. You know, I think that was kind of hilarious. Oh yeah, you're referring to the guy earlier, the crank caller uh, that was talking about how uh, he didn't think gold and silver was a very good idea, and that we should go back to the barter system. And there's a reason why there's a reason why mankind left the barter systems because it's just not a very effective way to get things done. Right. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks, Corby, for the call. I appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You are invited to bring up whatever you want. Medium of exchange. That's what money is. It's a medium of exchange. Something that is hopefully valued by a significant portion of the population to where those uh, those individuals can do business between one another without having to worry about converting things and you know having having some sort of product or service that is uh, going to be universally desirable because it's just not. Not everybody needs radio advertising. We'd like to believe that they do, but. Probably not everybody does need radio advertising, and there's not especially much else national radio do. advertising. I'd have one heck of a time trying to uh, do barter in this town with just radio advertising to do business with, because well, most of these people are you know do business in one geographic location, yeah. and so they don't need national advertising. They don't need to be advertising in the people uh, to the people in Yakima, Washington. When they're here in Keene, New Hampshire, it doesn't make any sense. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. And maybe the marketplace would decide that gold and silver are antiquated. Maybe something new uh, would come out that would be better, more effective than gold and silver. But for right now, gold and silver would be a huge step up. Everybody needs lucky charms. From the uh, the awful Federal Reserve notes, which are fiat currency, and that means they can just print out as much as they want. And that means they are stealing value from the ones that you do have. More coming up. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by NestleFamily.com, where nourishing healthy, happy families is filled with fun. Avoid worrying your child about foods she should and shouldn't eat when she visits friends by providing her with a healthy snack as a gift to the host. That way, she can decide to eat what you've sent without feeling isolated from the other kids. And if she decides not to eat it, that's okay, too. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up tonight, 20 ways to waste your money. 800-259-9231. Also want to tell you about the, uh, the Free State Project. It is your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. And if I didn't believe that, I would have joined and moved to New Hampshire. So I guess that's quite an endorsement because, Mark, you and I, uh, we picked up our lives. We moved from our home state of Florida. Yep. Sold houses, um, you know, sold cars, did you know, packed up everything in a big giant rider truck thing and drove up here. That's right. And uh, that was three years ago. And it's been a great experience so far. And hundreds of liberty-oriented people have already made the move here to New Hampshire. They are getting active. There are all kinds of political efforts going on that are having various levels of success. Uh, some people have gotten elected to the state house. There's the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance that is reviewing, like, I think it's almost every single bill that is in front of the, the state legislature. Bill, yes. They grade the bills. They 
on how liberty oriented they are. They uh, rate them. They give suggestions to the legislators. The legislators are, uh, you know, they're they're essentially bombarded with liberty oriented thinking these days here in New Hampshire, more so than than ever in the past, thanks to the folks that have come here. But there's more than that going on. There's political, uh, there's civil disobedience happening. There are not, there's non cooperation going on, uh, which the liberty movement has never really experienced before. And, and when I say the liberty movement, I mean the kind of the large uh, big tent of the libertarian movement uh, in general. And everybody's here from people that are very, very small government folks to people like me that are uh, no violent monopoly government uh, folks. I'm not interested in having any any monopoly on violence. And uh, we all get along to, to some extent, I think. There's still some – anytime you get a group of a few hundred people together, you're going to have some personality conflicts. And that yeah, there's some clashes. But overall, uh, it's an amazing group of folks that is doing more than I've ever seen done in my entire life. And so I'm so yeah. proud to be a Don't part of it. Don't you wish in your state that uh, – that the the biggest argument was uh, about how to go about getting to liberty and the, yeah. the what people are doing to get to liberty because most people my experience was that you know people had plenty of arguments in the the libertarian party of Sarasota Florida but not a heck of a lot got done nothing got done right there wasn't anything to argue about as far as you did wrong yeah, what you did was wrong because that's what we've been hearing is that well some people haven't really liked the cannabis celebrations some people didn't like the that a, a young lady went topless over the summertime those are some of the the civil disobedience oriented things but Similarly, some people don't really think it's uh, it's a good idea to beg legislators. So there's uh, you're never going to satisfy everybody. But I love the idea that we have people trying different things instead of the same old. Well, let's run a candidate once every two years, because that's what was happening down in Florida. That was my experience. Uh, oh, 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 no, Mark. They bought a, a an advertisement once. Yeah, they had a uh, a, a bus stop uh, <laughs> sign. Well, you know, they were trying. Yeah, 800-259-9231 is our number. So go to the Free State Project's website. Check this out. There are almost 10,000 members so far. 10,000 people have pledged to move their lives to New Hampshire and get active for freedom. We want you to join them. We want you to bring that number up to 20,000. Bring your friends. Bring your family members. And let's uh, let's get liberty in our lifetime. It is possible. But it's uh, going to be more possible sooner rather than later with your help. Freestateproject.org. Speaking of Florida, that's where Greg is. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello there. How are you guys doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I'm just, um, I'm with uh, RescueMyKids.com. Um, four years ago, my daughter was accidentally bit, and the Department of Children and Family came out and took all our kids, and we can't get our kids back. Bit by what? I'm sorry? Your, your, your daughter was accidentally bit? Yeah, by a dog. Okay. And so what happens, my wife called 911. I wasn't home, and my other three children weren't here, but they came out and took our kids, and the case manager was, she did this to 96 other families. She was falsifying reports, and she was charged with 26 cases of filing false reports and then 70 counts of grand theft, but nothing ever happened to her. And wow. They, those were all third-degree felonies. What, did they drop the charges? No. No, no. So no they didn't was... do that because they're getting federal grant money. For every family they bring into um, into the state, I mean, out of no, we got wait, you said the caseworker was charged with several counts of something, right? Yeah. That and you said 96. nothing happened to her. Nothing happened to her. So, meaning they dropped the charges, or or what? Well, no, she 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 pled guilty to all the charges. Oh, she did. I mean, but the problem is, is I mean, if you're working for an organization that's committing fraud and racketeering, and if they prosecute you, all you got to do is open your mouth and tell all the other stuff that's going on in the system. I mean, she there's no way they're going to cut her throat if she works with them. So what did they do, so, slap her on they, the hand? 
Yeah, and, and then she's got out of the county. Is she I still mean, working uh, for the state elsewhere? Do you know? Not, not that I know about. I, I don't know what happened to her. I'm, I'm Interesting. Just, it took me a year to get her in court after that, and um, but still at the same time we haven't got our children back, oh, and I don't gosh. believe any of the other families have either. That's crazy. When did this? When did this happen? This was in um, in um, 2004. Oh my gosh! So your kids are now five years older than they once were. Yeah. That's a long time when yeah. when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. So and, they're um, are they with Fox? Do you know where they are? Even or are they you completely in the dark? Well, they they try to keep them in the dark, but what it is is, I've um, they termin actually terminated my rights a year ago, and so I found out where they were going to school, and I would stand on the corner where the school bus would go by. And with my sign, RescueMyKids.com, but they put me in jail for that. Oh, my gosh. And um, and I just, I was in jail for 36 days in solitary confinement without any without any bond. Like, I committed first-degree murder. I mean, you have to commit a capital offense not to be put in, um, you know, not to receive a bond. And they're now, they're trying to use that now to put me in jail for a year. Wow. Who, and, whose um, dog was it, just out of curiosity? It, it was actually a family member's dog that came down from Michigan and, um... You know, wasn't what? around the kids before, and what happened is my mother's 87 years old, and um, we just couldn't take care of her anymore, so another family member was coming down, and they moved down, and they brought their dog. But it was an accident. Sure. So what happened, um, you know, and it happens, number one accidents among children are with dog bites, believe it or not. I didn't know Basically, that. I mean, because they go up and pull on their ears and pull their tails and stuff like that. Yeah. But either way, the whole situation, I mean, it's turned out to be an unbelievable situation, because oh. what I found out through this whole situation, the... The spokesman for the whole state of Florida Department of Children and Family was Al Zimmerman, and he was molesting children for department in the in the Department of That's Children right. and Family. I remember that story. Yeah, and in our county where Terry <laughs> Shivel, this is the same county where Terry Shivel was starved to death that made that national news. You're in Pinellas. They took this woman and they they would water the plants around her bed from all the people that sent her plants and flowers, but they wouldn't give her a drink of water. There are so many stories about this Department of Children and Families. Now I'm curious. You'd mentioned that after the dog had bit the the kids, uh, or was, I guess it was one kid that got bit, or, or right, both. just one. Uh, and, all right, so the dog uh, bit the kid. You called nine one one. What do you think would have happened had you not called nine one one? Well, then it would have gave them probable cause to say we abused, abandoned, and neglected our children. But I mean, how would I they mean, have known about the dog bite? Well, I, I, you know, we just didn't think like that. We're just sure. The kind of no, no, sure, sure. Something people goes think wrong, you call nine one one. Sure, we didn't know any different. You know, that's what right. That's what people are taught. You call nine one one when there's a when there's a problem, and right. this is what people are getting when they call nine one one. They're oh, getting yeah. put in handcuffs. They're getting their children taken away from them. And I don't see any real reason to call nine one one unless you can absolutely unless you can avoid it. Uh, you should you should not call. Oh yeah, no, if I, you can't, I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, that's after <laughs> the facts. It's like hindsight. And there's nothing I can do about it now. No, you're right. No. There is nothing you can do about it. But other people that are listening to this can take this as an example. They can hopefully learn from your story that mm-hmm. these people are not there to help you in many cases. They're yeah. there to put a warm body in a cold jail cell or, or mm-hmm. steal some children. It's no, sick. Before we go, um, you know, blaming 911 for this one, I've just got a question here. Now, did, did, uh, did they let this woman, this woman from uh, HRS, did you, did you let her in the house? I mean, what was, how did that all go down? Good question. Well, we had nothing to hide. I mean, we live in a four-bedroom, two-bath home. Apparently you I mean, did. we let them in the house because it was an accident. Right. But we didn't realize what their mindset was behind the situation because... Number one, um, you know, there's, 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 there's sometimes there's a conflict. Like my wife, she wears long dresses, she has long hair. We homeschool our kids. 
we didn't do the immunization. We got uh, religious exemptions from the state. And all these things became red flags to them. And so what happens is, but, that, but he, she didn't even use that. I mean, I mean, it's just like, for instance, she wrote in the police report or in her, or in her paperwork that we were anti-government. We were against mm. the medical establishment. And when we finally got her in court, after a year of trying to get her into court and the state trying to keep her out, I asked her personally, because I said, I asked her, when I had her understand, I said, where did you get this information that I was against the government? She said, well, when you didn't want your kids immunized, you know, she said, um, she, you know, she thought that I was anti-government because I didn't want my children immunized. I said, you know, and against the medical establishment. So I said, you mean you came to the conclusion because we had religious exemptions and our kids were being homeschooled that we were anti-government. Yeah, against, apparently if you don't do everything, right, apparently if you don't do everything the government demands, you uh, you must be anti-government. And I have to say, I am absolutely anti-government. I that's, not, I, that's not a demand, though. I mean, that you, there, there are exemptions. Apparently it's just, you know, this, this woman's yeah. attitude. What's your website again, Greg? It's rescuemykids.com. Good luck. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, and sorry to hear your story. It's not uncommon. 800-259-9231. These people make it their business to steal children from families. All in the name of protecting them? Sick. Hour two's coming up. Free talk live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Right into your phone calls we go. Coming up still, 20 ways to waste your money. We'll talk to James in Missouri first. James, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. James, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I believe that most people in America nowadays do not understand what freedom is. True statement. I, I concur. How would they possibly know what freedom is? Uh, they've um, been corrupted. <laughs> right. I mean, they, most, people in America, most people in America went to the government indoctrination camps, so of course they don't know, right? Yeah. Biggest part of Americans, I doubt if it has even looked at the Constitution since they got out of high school. 
I, you know, and and when when I went through high school, it's not like we read the thing, uh, you know, point by point. No, we were taught that uh, you know the legislator is bicameral, has two houses, and uh, we you know we've got the presidency. There's a veto. There's a pocket veto. You know, and we talked about all that stuff. They we we were told that the on the Bill of Rights, the, I think. the, the judicial system and the Supreme Court. Uh, they they interpret the law. The legislature passes the law. The president enforces the law, and the, and, and the uh, ju- judicial system interprets the law. And and uh, the, they never mention how the people are involved. I guess voting for the legislature, who then and the president, and and then of course the president appoints the the Supreme Court. And you know that's it. It's our happy little system. You've got freedom, everybody. Right. That's how it is. That's they kind of uh, they talk. About about the Constitution, they talk about the Declaration of Independence, and they just kind of throw it out there and say, hey, this is why you're free. Isn't it great to be free, kids? Yeah, we're free! And then, you know, that same mentality goes on throughout life of just, you know, reinforcing this this concept that in some way this country is a free country, and it's it's just poppycock. Uh, you could be right there, just like uh, the Fourth Amendment. Uh, in order to have a good-paying job, you got to go pee in a bottle. Well, well that's, that's search without probable cause. I don't know if all jobs are that way, but certainly there well, are some. Part of them are. Yeah, there are some, and, and and I agree with you that that's that's very invasive and and unnecessary. What other thoughts did you have for us tonight? It just uh, I just recently found your show on uh, iTunes, and I love it. I've been listening to it. I'm unfortunately I work the evening shift, so I can't call very often. But, well, here uh, you are. Hey, once is good, and we appreciate hearing from you. And, and James, glad you found the show. Thank you. Welcome to Callback. Yep, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Yeah, it's nice to hear from people that agree with you, but I loved last night's call where we had the gentleman call in from Delaware and uh, spent, what, a good half an hour uh, with him on the phones talking uh, about... You know, the uh, the issue of war and, and talking to somebody who disagrees. And so, you know, if you hear this show and you're not liking what we're saying, call in and tell us about it. What are we wrong about? What is wrong with the idea of allowing people to be free? Because that's the position of this show in general, with the exception of you on some issues, Mark. This Free Talk Live is, 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 is a show that focuses on a very principled pro-liberty message. And what's wrong with that? What is wrong with the idea of stopping aggression? against peaceful people because that's what i'm talking about that's what i advocate on this program is allowing others to be free now i understand not everybody does want to be free right some people want to be told what to do and i think that you should be free to be to choose someone to tell you what to do just don't force me to accept that whoever it is you think is great to tell you what to do is also right for me because i'm not interested in being told what to do Now, I am interested in honoring other people's choices, and that means respecting their decisions and their private property. So if if I'm going to somebody's business and that person has a sign up on the door saying that uh, you have to take your shoes off when you go into the business, I know that's kind of the the reverse of most businesses, but if I don't want to take my shoes off, I don't have to go into that business. Same thing with smoking in many businesses. If I uh, don't want to enter a business that uh, that allows smoking, I don't have to. I honor those people's choices, and I can make my own in regards to them. So certainly we have a level of freedom in this country. We have perhaps, one could argue, more freedom than someone does in another political designation, say North Korea, for instance. There's no doubt about that. And of course, that's one of the frequent things that people bring up when you talk about uh, the, the lack of freedom in this country and how oppressive it is in many different ways. Well, it's the best darn country in the whole world. If you don't like it here, you can leave. It may very well be the best darn country in the whole world. I think that that's kind of a holdover. It's up for debate. 
I, I think that it was the best darn country in the world, yeah. and now um, there's been you know th- there's just more freedom elsewhere, and you're seeing you're seeing other countries uh, nipping at the heels of the United States as to whether it's the best country of the world in the world, and there are unbiased organizations doing these tests. It's not me, some anti-American guy who, by the way, is wearing his Captain America you T-shirt are. tonight, um, and some anti-American guy out there saying that you know I I hate this country because I don't I love this country. It's just I think that the well, I think the lobbyists have ruined it. That's no, what I think. I, I love America and the concepts of freedom, but I don't love the government and the tyranny that it imposes on people and the violence that it threatens people with. I don't love that we just heard a story at the end of the last hour, for those of you just tuning in, about a man who had his children taken from him after one of them was nipped by a family member's dog. Bitten by a dog, yeah. I mean, is that a reason to take someone's kids away? Apparently it is. Well, they just had, there's just a story that just came out yesterday where somebody's kid, some woman's kid was taken because she was fat. Let's go to Mike in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Mike. Hi, guys. What's on your mind today? Got another great DCF story for you. Great as in sickening? On June 28th of this year was the happiest day of my life. My wife had a baby girl. Congratulations. Three days later most miserable day of my life uh upon being discharged uh, from the hospital i left and to get a car seat and uh, i was denied access back into the hospital and a bureaucrat from the dcf has decided to steal my child away from me and kick my wife out of the hospital and took my child on what grounds well it's 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 called the doctrine of predictive neglect now, this means what? that no actual abuse has actually happened, but some bureaucrat has figured out that in the future it might happen. Based on what? Uh, well, the basis they're using was uh, a couple different reasons, but one of them was that my wife was in a mental hospital 15 years ago. Are you and kidding? That, that is. Was... What are the other reasons? <laughs> uh Let's see, uh, if, if you remember, I called you a little while ago about my girlfriend was uh, had criminal charges against her at the time, and now we're married, but, and she decided to go to trial, and they decided that she was incompetent because she wanted to go to trial. Yeah, I remember this like story. That. And that's why she was in a mental hospital, because they, the state psychologist decided that she was well, incompetent? Not only that, the state psychologist said that she's delusional because she thinks the court system is corrupt. <laughs> wow. So, you know, this is compounding things. So. Right. So here we are again with this. Uh, the last guy that called in from Florida was telling us this awful story about his being uh, his kids being taken, referenced that they had made the determination that he's anti-government. And right. so therefore that justifies stealing children. And that's what you're saying here, that uh, because she didn't believe that the court system was uh, was legitimate, that it was corrupted. And I think she's absolutely right about that. And there's plenty of evidence to uh, to back up her, what she's saying. That uh, because you don't go along with their little system, that you don't agree with what they're doing, that therefore they should steal your children from you. Well, one social worker decided the child was in imminent danger and needed to be removed immediately. And no warrant or anything from a judge. She just basically just stole the the child. Just walks in, flashes her badge from the DCF, and then the hospital people will just allow her to to steal children. Yep, lock (laughs) me out of the hospital. Luckily, the next day, a judge ordered the child back in our custody. Wow, that is lucky. Yeah. You're really, 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 really lucky. I didn't I, I, have to hire a lawyer, too. case going on where they're charging us with neglect. 
based on something that didn't happen yet, but will in the future. So they're char- how can they charge you with neglect when you haven't neglected? It's called predictive neglect. But the hell with, what, what is that? It's a thought crime, Mark. It's not even a thought crime. He hasn't well, thought about neglecting his law. child? It's based on a, a court ruling. It's based on, you know, some bureaucrat in a row decided that the state can intervene before something happens. It's crazy. It's just madness, and it really just shows the direction this country is going in, and I, I'm sorry to hear about that, and I wish you the uh, good luck. Let us know what happens uh, in the long run, and thank you for the call tonight at 800 That's crazy. Yeah, 800-259-9231. Mark, you're lucky they haven't taken Jack yet. I mean, you're on the air every night talking about uh, you know anti-government or pro-freedom things. I prefer the term pro-freedom. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Maybe the bureaucrats in New Hampshire are a little bit nicer. I'm not opening any doors. Yeah, I, th- right. Please don't answer the doors for these bureaucrats. It just gives them the opportunity to steal what you love. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast, and at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to bring up anything. Just take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. That, again, 800-259-9231. Whether you want to share some awful story of DCF, Department of Children and Families Abuse, which seems to be all they do. Maybe they do something good from time to time, but you certainly never hear about that. Uh, You want to share that or bring up anything, you're welcome to. 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live has teamed up with M&S Press to offer you the only complete writings of Lysander Spooner. If you're interested in buying this very rare set, you already know who Lysander Spooner is and how influential he was for the liberty movement. He uh, was an anarchist, a philosopher, an abolitionist, an entrepreneur, and a mailman. You can purchase this uh, 2,800-page, six-volume set bound with – it's got all 34 works in six volumes – bound in library quality cloth and you can get it for $335 and once these are gone they are truly and totally gone. They were printed in 1971 they've been sitting around basically for libraries to purchase and they're being offered to our listeners for this reduced rate for $335 delivered to your door That doesn't. there's no shipping on that $335 all you have to do is go to spooner.freetalklive.com that's spooner.freetalklive.com if you're thinking about waiting on it you know, I don't know how long they're going to last, and I would also recommend that if you know somebody who might be very interested in these sets, Christmas is coming up. Spooner.freetalklive.com. So we've been talking to uh, a couple of people, because normally when one call comes in on this DCF situation, it always leads to another sure, one. There's, uh, there's, there's so many stories. Always a bunch of them. So many stories of people who've had their children stolen from them in this so-called land of the free. Weren't we just talking about the ways, some of the ways in which this country is not free? Here's a great one. Bureaucrats who you do not, you do not know, strangers, come who to your home. Right, who don't like your religion or don't like your political beliefs mm-hmm. or, or don't like how you live in some way, shape, or form. There's guns in this house or whatever it yep. is. They come to your home and they knock on your door and most people, because, well, they're friendly, will open their door They'll then set, in many cases, they'll come with a sheriff or they'll come with a you know state trooper or something like that, and they'll steal your children from you. 
And in the case of the last guy we were talking to, he said that he was charged with predictive neglect. But that's the reason why that his uh, kid was or his young young person was taken from him. And I looked it up uh, over uh, on uh, startpage.com, and sure enough, there is predictive neglect. And indeed, it's not making it, it up. Right. It describes injurious conditions to which a child is exposed and can be used in those situations in which the conditions may cause the child harm at a future date. For example, it could include people, or it could include homes in which the child has witnessed repeated episodes of domestic violence. The child lives in a home and where drug trafficking taken, uh, takes place, is repeatedly exposed to alcohol or substance abuse, is exposed to inappropriate sexual conduct by adult caretakers. Now, I mean, th- there, there's more, but repeatedly exposed to alcohol or substance abuse. Now, it's the bureaucrats who get to decide that, right? I, what else would they right, be deciding? So, so, what, so, uh, so maybe they could decide that having a, a couple beers every night is abusive. It's certainly alcoholism, right? If you have alcohol every single day, I you know, people's people's definitions are different, and right. the best definition I've seen of alcoholism is that the person who is an alcoholic has to say is exposed to inappropriate sexual conduct by adult caretakers. Who knows what that means? Different families have different sets of values when it comes to sexual conduct. And it's none of my business what goes on in your family and how you want to teach your kids about sex or whatever. Right. I was recently I've I've been thinking, you know, what is sex like in different countries, um, different cultures, different time periods? And, you know, it's probably relatively recent where mom and dad don't hump in front of the kids. Um, I imagine, you know, when you're talking about a a one room house where people, you know, grew up in dirt floors and things like that. Uh, uh, caves, mm-hmm. these kind of situations. I can only imagine that the the parents must have sex, probably with the, you know, some level of of modesty. But you know, the kids are asleep and nearby. You wouldn't put your kids, you know, really far away if you live in this hut. Also, uh, predictive neglect can be charged when uh, children are left with inappropriate caretakers. Whatever that's supposed to mean. Well, you would. I, I certainly can think of inappropriate caretakers, no doubt, and that's the that's the lure of these these kind of these kind of programs. But then because they get can... to decide whether you are an inappropriate caretaker. Right, right. The lure is well, there are really kids that are really in dangerous situations, and okay, I understand the idea of wanting to keep those kids safe. But the problem is that the bureaucrats get to decide what is inappropriate and what is not. And to the bureaucrats, anybody that is questioning of the state, anybody that isn't immediately docile and obedient, is dangerous to their uh, their legitimacy, is dangerous to their power and their control structure. And so, therefore, you shouldn't have children because you might indoctrinate them with your anti-government ideas. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just wonder how many things that have been done in the past, you know, that uh, – that wouldn't have been stopped by HRS are you know now that the bureaucracy has grown and we have to protect children it's such a such a big issue that uh, you know things that, that that wouldn't have been that big of an issue when I was a kid are now a big issue yeah. I remember a situation where my dad you know like a couple of biker guys came and came and came into the, the you know where we live 10 acres um, out in uh, East Manatee County came in there and because my dad liked motorcycles he trusted these guys to take me on down uh, the road on their motorcycles to uh, you know some races that were going on it was the snowbird nationals down uh, that's dangerous you shouldn't have been allowed to do that well he just met the guys that day isn't it crazy mm. well you can imagine my mom was pretty darned upset when she found out about it the, later on that evening but I went down there snowbird nationals had a just good a old time. Good old time. Dad came and picked me up later, and yeah. I got to see the dragsters and all that stuff. And you know, nothing weird happened. It's the, the the situation today. Thinking about it is weird. Yeah, 
And uh, but you know nothing happened. Also, I had a uh, there was a young man who most used to, of the time nothing does. Usually, yep. the uh, any sort of abuse is going to come from a family member. It's true. Uh, there was I had a young man who babysat me when I was a, a you know like four or five or something like that. Can you imagine a young man babysitting today? It would mm. be looked upon very suspiciously. Guys are are sort of looked on as these Predators. terrible p- p- sexual predator creatures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was trying to come up with some other word, and it just wasn't coming out. Sexual predator. I mean, it's fairly yeah, And that's how they're looked at. And, um, you know, today that would be very odd. Freedom, baby. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Dan in Minnesota. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you guys doing? What's on your mind tonight, Dan? Oh, I just heard about you guys on uh, Facebook here from a freedom-loving guy here in uh, Minneapolis. Excellent. And uh, I really like what you're talking about. I I, what's on my mind is uh, I, I humbly uh, send out my condolences to your other guests there with their children being taken. I, it's what I've went through is as an adult male, and uh, I can't even imagine what they feel and what they're going through as a family. Um, last February, I got busted uh, after 21 years of peacefully and respectfully and sometimes growing my own cannabis for my own personal uh, medicinal and spiritual uh, wants and desires, I got busted. And after uh, twenty something years of this, twenty one years, yeah, wow. I, I, I I've been uh, I've been using cannabis uh, uh, since I was a teenager, and and uh, I've never had a problem with it. I'm, I'm sober now because I'm on probation, and I have. No problems with sobriety either. I've, I've I'd like been... to know your story. If you can hang on, I want to bring you back here. Another example. I mean, we've had uh, people telling us about their children being stolen from them by DCF, and this is an, another story that is not uncommon. People having their lives ruined by the government. People coming in and telling them, ah, uh, 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 you can't have that plant. 800-259-9231, because that's how it is in a free country, right? You take control. Bring up anything. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free. The number is brought to you by SACL CAI. And if you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you need to know about SACL CAI. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one in our banner column. That's SACL CAI. Free Talk Live, uh, our website is freetalklive.com, and you'll find all of the features there completely free. So enjoy those on us. We go right back into your phone calls. Dan is back with us in Minnesota. Dan, you said you've been busted after 20 years of growing marijuana for your own personal consumption uh, purposes, that you were busted. 
and you're now on probation. But tell me a little more about your story, if you don't mind. Usually when it comes to a marijuana growing operation bust, somebody's lips sunk that ship. So did you tell someone and they snitched on you, or how did it happen? Ex-girlfriend? Uh, no, <laughs> that's funny. That uh, Not at all, actually. And uh, uh, my attorney and, and you know some some friends you know, automatically said that, and that's what most people say. Uh, but uh, here in the Midwest, apparently the DEA uh, was doing a push uh, on the grow stores, and I actually used to work at this particular uh, grow homebrew and uh, hydroponic gardening equipment store. Um, I actually speak a little Portuguese. I was working there before I, I had intended to move to Brazil with an ex-wife, and that's a long story. Anyway, uh, they were surveilling this grow store, mm. and I, you know, honestly, I got sloppy. Uh, it's well known in the uh, in the growing community if you're in a state that it's illegal that uh, you you should have somebody else buy your equipment for you and things like that. Yeah. So I, I admit to being sloppy, but you know I, I knew the owner of the store and I, and I used to work there, so I just kind of got comfortable. Um, they they surveilled that store and they they took down a number of people, people that oh. I didn't even know were growing. I know of a another uh, person that was I didn't know he was growing at the time, but him and his wife were growing, and they busted him. And I mean he was he was so discreet. You would have never expected him to be growing cannabis. He so, was actually providing his wife's grandma of 83 years of age with cannabis. Yeah, he's a dangerous, dangerous criminal. He sounds like a violent. Pu- oh wait, no, he's helping old people feel better. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, there's people. Yeah, there's. Uh, it, it's just disgusting. And yeah. they broke into my house. I was, you know, I was a, a homeowner of a devalued by design. Uh, uh, property here in Minneapolis, uh, but I was I was scraping by. I got a humble a humble job here. I work full time, and I was getting by and and paying my bills, mm-hmm. but just barely. And they broke in. They broke the doors down. Literally Jeez. broke the doors off the hinges. Were you home at the time? Uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> uh, but they they trashed the house. They, um, I mean, they trashed the house. It was ridiculous. That's what they and, do. Uh, service, well, you know, it's all yeah. about serving it and makes, protecting. It makes burg- it makes a burglary look like, uh, you know, a good thing to happen to your house. Oh, I've been burglarized. It was nothing compared to what they did. They were the most, I I mean, you think it's some vindictive. people have attitudes towards police and think of, of police as kind of ignorant and, and, and have less than ideal uh, opinions of police, but the police on the street are the, are the uh, uh, you know, people that they put out on the street to be the smiling face for the police force. These drug task force and these people that are involved with these things, they're, I mean, again, okay, 21 years of, of growing up in North Minneapolis uh, and being around, you know, People that are supposedly, you know, gangsters and things like this. I never seen one violent act connected with anything to do with cannabis on any level until the police broke into my house, trashed my house. And you're right. You know, it's an interesting point that you make that the the people on the drug task forces are usually able to wear black clad uh, uniforms to where they can cover up their face and things like that. And so they're certainly not. They look remarkably like. Criminals, criminal gang, or right, the, or oh, or the Gestapo, were, one of the two. 
Yeah, they were scary, scary people. I was, I was very frightened and, uh, you know, going to jail for a night. And admittedly, I was treated, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people, peaceful ganja users that are in prison all over this country yep. right now. Yeah, there are. So I got a slap on the hand. And yeah, you so did. I, I do admit that, you know, 18 days of house arrest and being on probation is is a very lenient sentence in light of all the poor, why do you think that you people. got why do you got why do you think you got that lenient sentence I didn't I didn't have any money I had uh, fifty dollars in my pocket I had literally three dollars in my checking account I so you didn't no look like a dealer I don't look like a dealer I had no guns in my house how many plants did they pop you with I had forty one Wow. That's a felony in many places for each each plant. So I can't believe that uh, you, like you got out. away with so little. I mean, it was yeah. a, a, the, the... Well, it, it 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 was clearly a personal operation, and I think that they see that. Forty one plants. And forty one you know, a lot, there. dude. You're smoking a lot of weed at four, with forty one plants, man. Well, when you're involved with, I'm into the Zoroastrian faith. Uh, to make a holy, yes, in, I am the holy a anointing oil in the Bible <laughs> requires six pounds of cannabis. To make holy anointing oil, and I was just Look, hey man, I don't care if you're selling it out to people. I it's no, it doesn't matter to me. Right, I think that if a man grows something, you should be able to sell it. Yeah, uh, it, it really wouldn't matter to me. But when did they pop you? I mean, they went and they busted your house. When did they pick you up? Oh, I I pulled up when it was happening, oh, and I didn't even. It, I thought I was getting broken into. Oh my god! There weren't any because vehicles no, that said police. It, there was no squad cars. There was nobody who was marked. There was no marked cars. And so I went to call my lawyer uh, because I thought I was getting broken into, and it was the police. And, I, of course, that crossed my mind, but they really didn't look like police. Mm, that is so scary to have a bunch but, of strange men rummaging around yeah. through your house, through all your personal belongings. Uh, and then yeah. uh, just, it's just so sad. And as you said, hundreds of thousands of people are in jail and, and are arrested on a regular basis for this. Over 800,000 people were arrested, I think it was last year alone, just for cannabis-related crimes, which most of them, I think 80-plus percent of those arrests are for possession only, not for growing, not for dealing or anything like that, just for possession. It's just so tragic, and you are very fortunate that, I guess, as little damage was done as, as was done, because many other people have been given mandatory minimum sentences. Perhaps there's been some level of decriminalization there in Minnesota, because in a lot of places uh growing a, a marijuana is more serious crime than selling the marijuana i mean th oh, th there are mandatory minimums of five ten years for that kind of thing oh it, it's disgusting and if we didn't have that disgusting person paul empty as our governor we'd be a lot closer to having medical marijuana even though the bill that was voted through the house last year in minnesota was a really crappy bill at least it would be a step closer i wanted to say something about obama's recent uh, move to um, tell the prosecuting attorneys to lay off of uh, medical marijuana dispensaries in states that it is that it is legal. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Um, I knew that that was a small step, but uh, for my friends and people that support Obama, I came out and I said, "Hey, this is great." You know, I I uh, I tried to be supportive and say, "Oh, this is really great." And but I knew. That it was a small step, and on the United Cannabis Ministry's uh, email thread that I'm a part of, um, it, if you may or may not know that cannabis has been a part of uh, major religions for the last 5,000 years. Mm -hmm, sure. Um, the the I don't know, major religions. There, they said that yesterday uh, there was a church 
in uh, Los Angeles that was raided. Now, of course, I'm sure that the feds or the state authorities or whoever would say that this guy, uh, you know, uh, broke some state law or something. Well, wait a minute, Mark. Didn't you have a story a few days ago we never got to about how the L.A. district attorney is really looking to crack down on the medical marijuana facilities out there? So this may be part of what is essentially a crackdown from the L.A. county government people against the medical marijuana folks out there. I, I thank you for the call and the story tonight. And it's never a story that I enjoy hearing because he wasn't harming anybody. He had some plants. He was growing plants. And they're treating him as though he's a criminal. And it's, it's, it happens all over this country. It happens all around the world. 800-259-9231. The idea that a plant can be against the law. That a plant is a crime. It's absurd right on its face. Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The Walking Liberty Half is a fantastic coin for the beginner investor and those who want usable silver should a monetary collapse occur. This coin is widely accepted as one of the most beautiful ever made. It served our grandparents for more than 40 years, and you can get them for $8.69. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. Julia sitting in for the remainder of the program, and we'll take your calls as always about whatever's on your mind. Coming up, Mark, you're going to share with us 20 ways to waste your money. Uh, We'll get to that, but first, been a little while since we've uh, shared something from Citizen X. But he's got one that I think is uh, is definitely worthy of uh, putting on the air here. It's Citizen X. He's I, I guess we can say who he is, right? Because I think it's kind of well known at this point, or at least I don't know. I don't. I'm, I, I'm not. You can't say who it is. Okay, I guess we Citizen won't say X. Who it is. Citizen X over at AdventuresOfCitizenX.com is commenting on this net neutrality thing that the FCC is moving forward with. The FCC, I think it was just this week voted in favor of crafting some rules for what they call net neutrality. And Citizen X explains, he says, the FCC is poised to start pushing net neutrality regulations. While this may come as welcome news to some in the liberty movement, net neutrality sets a dangerous precedent, allowing the government camel to get its nose under the Internet tent. Net neutrality would mandate that telecommunication and broadband companies treat all Internet traffic as equal, no matter the content, site, or platform, and would prohibit the creation of tiered service models. Net neutrality proponents fear that telecom companies could use their infrastructure to block the competition and cause artificial scarcity, as well as give preferred treatment and pricing to larger consumers such as big corporations. Proponents believe that Left unregulated, the Internet will split virtually in two, with the wealthy enjoying first-class service and everyone else limited to a slower network with inferior content. You know, and and you would think that net neutrality has been floated around for for years now. Um, You know, we've been talking about it on the air here since 2003, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. It's been a few years, yeah. Well, where is this specter of of tiered service? It's not happening now. There's tiered service right now. Right? We pay for business class here. Are you this... talking about versus broadband or something like that? Okay. 
No, no, I mean broadband tiered service. We pay for, uh, but it's all fast. I mean, it's not like internet speeds have been getting slower. There's sure there's limited competition, and and uh, and Citizen X will address that here in a moment. And that's because of the government's regulations and restrictions that are that are put on things like telephone poles and stuff like that. But uh, essentially, there are tiered services today. When you go to uh, when you get a DSL account. You can sign up for the cheapy cheap DSL account at 20 bucks a month, where you only get maybe 512 kilobyte, uh, kilobits per second downstream and 128 kilobits upstream. Or you can pay 29.99 and you can get 1.5 megabits down and uh, you know 512 kilobits up. So you can get more bandwidth because you're paying more. Now that's not necessarily what they're talking about when it comes to net neutrality, though it could be. It could very well be uh, here at the at the at the at this studio. We pay for two internet connections. That way, in case one of them Redundancy. goes down, uh, we always have a way to stream out and that sort of thing. But uh, one of our internet connections is kind of a consumer level DSL connection. That's kind of the backup one. And then another one of the connections is a business class cable modem connection. And with business class, we get a, a bigger downstream pipe than the average uh, user does. We get a larger upstream uh, pipe than the average cable user. And we also pay more than twice as much for it. So, you know, we're, we're paying for that extra service. But in, in net neutrality's case, what it also applies to is services and how fast those can be throttled. So, for instance, if... If the web provider, the Internet service provider, says, says that, well, we think that delivering web traffic is more important than delivering torrent traffic because there are different types of Internet traffic that you can send out over your, uh, over your, your Internet connection. I mean, right now, Mark, you might be surfing uh, on the web. Uh, somebody else might be, you know, during the, one of the breaks, you might be chatting in the, the Free Talk Live chat room at chat.freetalklive.com. Uh, at the same time, we've got our webcam, which is streaming out at, oh, I don't know, over 500 kilobits per second constantly. We've got at least four different streams that are emanating from here that are, that are going out. So there are all these different service types, right? It's not just all the web. The web is just the web. And then there are all these other things that you can be doing on the Internet. There's tubes. Right. So the Internet service provider could essentially decide that delivering web traffic is their priority. Because if you think about it, the average Internet user isn't doing things like streaming their own radio station or, you know, they're not uh, hosting torrents or they're not running a video game server or something like that. You know, one of these other things that can be done. Your average person is sending emails and visiting websites. I mean, do you feel like that's a a true statement? Yeah, sure. So... The web company could basically say, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to allocate most of our resources to providing quick web traffic for people while we're not going to be so concerned about the the torrent traffic or the the other traffic over there. And essentially what the net neutrality uh, restrictions are saying is you can't do that, companies, that you just have to treat it all equally, whatever the packets are. Because that's what it is. Each one, yeah. Whenever you send a request for a web page, it's your uh, computer sending packets over the Internet saying, hey, I want this web page. And then the, other ser- the server that you're talking to s- says back, okay, here it is. And it's basically the net neutrality says that all packets must be treated equally. 
So it doesn't matter what your policy is at your company anymore. You can't set a policy if this net neutrality stuff goes through. You have to treat them all equally or you're committing a you know federal offense. I don't know a heck of a lot about net neutrality, and I don't entirely understand everything that you're talking about, the implications of it. I guess I understand what you're saying, but not the implications of it all. But I do know that whenever the government gets involved in something, it screws it up royally. And that's what my biggest concern about this is, is that... You know, so far there hasn't been any huge problem that I can tell with, uh, you know, Internet service being... Right, because the government's been out of it for the most part. (laughs) This unequal service. Um, Yes, I do do believe that people that pay more should get better, get more service. Right. But, you know, right now, I'd be happy with any level of broadband service at my house. Net neutrality proponents have a point, says Citizen X. FCC licensing and legal monopolies enforced by local governments have created a cartel in the telecom industry. Since telecom companies are not subject to vigorous competition, they have the consumer over a barrel. However, the solution is not more regulation, but deregulation, or marketization, if you will. Allowing other companies to enter the field would force prices lower and ensure higher quality. Instead of limiting the consumer's ability to access certain services, successful companies would offer more and better services at a lower price. Just look at what happened when the phone companies were deregulated. Prices dropped, service improved, and innovation exploded. In addition, net neutrality undermines property rights. Like it or not, the telecom companies own their own networks. Thus, they should be able to do with their networks what they wish. Just the same as you or I should be able to do with our businesses what we wish. Net neutrality relies not on property rights for its justification, but rather on concepts like equality, fairness, and the common good. While property rights are the basis of a free society, nebulous concepts such as these lead to tyranny. However... The worst aspect of net neutrality is that it would give the government even greater control over the Internet. The federal government has already made serious inroads into controlling the net. For instance, if the Cybersecurity Act of 2009 is passed, it would give the president the authority to, quote, declare a cybersecurity emergency. It's an Internet emergency. Unquote, and shut down or limit Internet traffic in any critical information network in the interest of national security. Well, what constitutes an emergency? And who determines what is a critical information network? It's all up to the president's discretion. Not to be outdone, the CIA has By the way, I'd like to uh, to bring up the, you know, the color coding that we have of security levels. Yeah. I want to know when the last time was that we were at green. <laughs> I don't recall that. Not yeah. that I pay attention. Does well, anybody pay attention to that still? Well, yeah, uh, who does? They don't because we're not really at any kind of threat level. However, we're not at green either. And right. that's what I'm, I believe might very well happen with this uh, Internet cybersecurity thing. Well, there's a threat level on people. So, you know, they'll, they'll come up with tiered levels of mm. uh, control for the Internet. And, and at some, so, uh, you know, <laughs> they'll limit people's use of the Internet beyond what it is today. Not to be outdone, the CIA has even bought a stake in a firm that monitors blogs, tweets, and forum posts on the Internet. Furthermore, Congress and various state assemblies have introduced bills that would prohibit cyberbullying. Now, while cyberbullying is reprehensible, these laws represent a threat to free speech on the web. Government programs always expand. Indeed, the politician's lifeblood is expanding his authority and power. Folks had a fit when, pre- when uh, Obama forced out the head of GM, but why not? After all, it was the government who was handle, uh, handing the automakers cash, so it was the government who got to call the shots. Likewise, the feds have used TARP as a lever to impose themselves on the banking and financial system. And now we're asking these same people to protect the last bastion of free speech, both from governmental and corporate control, that we have left. Well, I have to say, I'm not asking them to do anything, but they're going to do it anyway. 
He points out that if we want the Internet to remain free, we shouldn't be demanding that the government regulate it further. Instead, we should demand the government deregulate the telecom and broadband industries. Competition in the free market will protect us from corporate cartels. If we turn to the politicians and bureaucrats, on the other hand, who will protect us from them? So watch out. The FCC is right now craft. They're beginning the process of crafting these net neutrality procedures and regulations. We have no idea what this will turn into. Nothing good. No, it's not going to be good. Because right now, even though there's limited competition, at least in most metropolitan areas, you still have a handful of companies offering internet services. So there is still competition, and that's why... That's why prices keep going down and service goes up as far as the speeds of your connections. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training with Without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a front sight defensive handgun course plus 30 state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar. And get your free handgun. Go to frontsight.com today. That's F R O N T S I G H T.com. Go to frontsight.com for your training and free handgun. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Coming up, 20 ways to waste your money. Mark, you're going to share that with us, but first we're going to, uh, going to your phone calls about what you want. It's Tim, listening in Alaska. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live, the Julia and Mark. Hello, guys. Uh, first-time caller. Welcome, Tim. What's uh, on your mind tonight? Well, I'm interested in what uh, I, I have a younger son. He's in high school. It's uh, He's almost 18. And, uh, I'm, you know, with the advent of all the swine flu and uh, in the lower 48, everyone's being asked to Take it. We're not seeing it up here. The schools aren't forcing it on anyone, or maybe it's just not at this time. Have you heard anything can, about? I mean, I'm sorry to, to interrupt interrupt you there, but I don't have kids in government school, and nor would I put my kids in government school, so I haven't heard anything about this either. Uh, Julia, I know that you work with some young people. Have you heard anything about uh, people being forced to take a, a vaccination for the swine flu in school? Um, I haven't heard anything about people being forced, but I wouldn't be surprised. I know they're taking it really seriously, and and even people I know who go to college say that like when they when they signed up for their classes, like the first day of class, they talked about the swine flu and told people that if they were even a little bit sick, not to come to class. <laughs> so I don't know if they're forcing it down everyone's throats down here. It may depend on the, you know, the political jurisdiction. I think that in a place like New York State, you may be more likely to find that kind of program. Uh, but go ahead with your well, thoughts. Um, well, uh, what's your guys' position on that? On what exactly? Forcing kids to take uh, the the vaccine, or or forcing parents to make them do it? I'm completely and against medical it. Medical procedures. 
If this is really going on in the lower 48, which you see on the internet, what, are, what is your guys' position on the government coming in and telling parents how to medicate their children? I think that the, the government has no place telling parents how to medicate their children, and I wouldn't give my child the uh, any flu vaccine at all, period. You're not going to give my kid a flu vaccine. Yeah, I also think that that is bad, and my my parents would freak out. They would never let me get a flu vaccine. They'd pull me out of the school before they were okay with that. Well, that may be what you'll have to do if you're sending your kid to a government school and they're saying that you have to take this vaccine or else you can't go to the school, then that's, it seems like a great excuse to get your kids out of the government school. If you've been looking for a reason to leave, uh, if, you haven't, if you haven't found enough reasons to leave the government school, uh, then this is a real a doozy. So I don't think uh, you'll find anyone on this show agreeing with any kind of mandatory vac- uh, vaccinations. I imagine I would it. yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That actually kind of reminds me of, it's not exactly the same, but I remember when I was in, like, first grade and kindergarten, I went, my brother and I went to government school, and they did this thing called swish, which was like a fluoride mouth rinse. They would They would take us outside, line us up outside, because kids would be spitting it up all over the place, and they would make us do this mouthwash, and I remember really hating it, and, like, resisting because it tasted gross i would always throw up from it and you had to get like super duper special permission from your parents and dentists and stuff like that to get out of it and my mom just didn't care enough because it was just fluoride or whatever but some people are really frightened of that right well it was so gross and i hated it so much and and now that i'm an adult and i can kind of look back on that experience i don't think it's really that appropriate for the government to be worrying about dentistry i i just don't that seems like a parent's responsibility you know it's 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 just such the nature of the the kind of people that get into the the areas of government that would would enforce these things i mean these are the you know the people that care about other people they they need to get in there and make sure that everything's taken care of and some people don't take care of their kids the right way and and these are the kind of people that that become teachers and social workers and things like that so there's naturally going to be mission creep of course if you're taking care of a kid's mind in the area of uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, then you've got to take care of their, their bodies, and you've got to take... A kid can't learn with bad teeth. A kid can't learn without food in their stomach. So, you know, these, these things tend to creep to the point that the school is, in fact, the parent, and the parent is, you know, this sort of caretaker that has to listen to rules, otherwise their kid gets taken away. You know, I'm trying to remember back to the kind of weird, healthy health things that were forced on me as a kid... And I recall there was the occasional vision screening, the occasional uh, hearing tests. Scoliosis. Uh, was... That was what I was looking for. I, I, knew, I was thinking there was something well, that started with an S, and it had to do with your, uh, your they spine, They would make right? you like, take off your shirt, too, and they'd like, feel your back, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's kind of weird, right? I mean, that's not really their... You wouldn't think that's their purview, but... They were doing that to me in the private school, so... Yeah, the toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. Maybe you want to share with us some of the, the weird things that you experienced when you were in school. But I never had the fluoride thing. Mark, did you ever get that one? It was called Swish, and it was bright pink, and it was gross. Never got that one, Mark? No, I don't no. think so. I mean, I, I certainly had fluoride rinse at, at the dentist, but... It was like torture when they announced that it was time for that again. Duh. It's like bad memories. I can smell it, like right now. Oh gosh, it's horrible! It really is uh, a bad memory. Then uh, so eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But yes, I agree that that that's something that should be left completely to the parents to decide. But unfortunately, we live in a society in which 
these government bureaucrats have deemed it their responsibility to take responsibility for your kids. And they're constantly coming up with new ways to get their little bureaucratic mitts into the lives of parents and make decisions for them. We just talked earlier in the show tonight, for those of you just tuning in, we had a couple calls from people who were telling us the story of how their children were stolen from them by DCF for some, you know, arbitrary rule violation of, what was it, like pre-crime, basically, was one of the one of the people was telling us yeah, about. Yeah, they, they had the potential to abuse their child, was what the bureaucrats were saying. Right, so that was it's a crazy. good enough reason. They took somebody's kid away because they have the potential to be, abuse their child. Right, because the bureaucrats decided that you are an inappropriate parent, that your parenting style is not appropriate to their bureaucratic uh, rules and their and, viewpoint and, and so you're you're a criminal and and it, this isn't this isn't just a one case scenario this oh, no. is on the books in several states exactly um, so it's it's this is what these bureaucrats do they're constantly looking for new ways in which to relieve you of your responsibility as a decision maker whether it's about your children or if it's about you and your retirement the government has come into these areas and has said oh, no no don't worry about it hey shh, 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 don't don't worry we've got it taken care of you don't have to figure out where to send your kids to school we'll decide We'll tell you based you don't on have your to, geographic location. You don't have to location. figure out whether you know what medicines you want to give your child. You don't have to to figure out how it is that you take right. care of your child. We'll do that. Right. They're the state's children. You're just kind of the t- the temporary caretaker. And you know this this constitution, which was supposed to our, uh, this bill of rights that was supposed to protect our rights. You know the one thing that you have still is the the religion, as long as it doesn't uh, you know cross any, any any lines that they don't like. But that's it. The the state is every place else. Pretty much. The idea of the Bill of Rights, it says right in there that this is not the end of the rights. This is not where they where they end, but it sure is when it comes to your kids. Let's go to Jesse in New Hampshire. Jesse, you are on Free Talk Live at the end, Julia and Mark. Hi. Uh, I actually wanted to comment on, uh, I was going to comment on the H1N1 uh, you were talking about, but uh, you mentioned the Swish deal, and uh, I've actually done that. And, yeah, it was absolutely disgusting. They would actually, yeah, take you outside. And, uh, I guess they were trying to uh, promote uh, dental hygiene, but, yeah, it was disgusting. It was it was like going to the dentist uh, without going to the dentist, you know. I mean, it was just Without all the gross. care, right? Right, and Go it would be t- a teacher. And, and if you said no, yeah. like if you say no at the dentist, they're going to put something in your mouth and you feel like you're going to gag or whatever, they give you a minute. This yeah. is like, no, you need to take yeah. this. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's exactly how it was. As, I mean, as though... That as though if you are living in a household in which your parents were not encouraging you to brush your teeth, and you were in some sort yeah. of a household where uh, dental hygiene was not a, a priority, that some yeah. once one iteration. I mean, were they doing this more than once a year? Yes. How often? I it might have been like twice a year or something like that, but I remember it happening several times <laughs> when I was young. Like like do, like for, washing for with swish. Funky. Really? Say again. For me, it was just once a year. Once or twice a year, either way, as though that's going to do anything to save your teeth from cavities if you're not brushing on yeah. a regular basis. It's going to help, but I mean, it's not going to. It's not going to do anything. It's you're just still like going to lose your teeth at some point. Right, it's like a feel-good measure. Jesse. If you're not taught how to brush your teeth, you're still going to lose your teeth because you're, you know, this this little swishing with the uh, the the fluoride isn't. Good. You can comment on the vaccines if you want, or uh, hang on if you uh, are interested in that. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. Register now for the Republican Liberty Caucus of New Hampshire's Liberty in 2010 reception. Dr. Thomas Woods, the New York Times bestselling author of Meltdown, will be explaining the economic crisis and the role of the Federal Reserve. 
Successful investment fund manager Larry Lepard will share his perspective on the meltdown, including advice on how to protect your investments. Proceeds will be used to help pro-liberty Republican candidates win their primaries in 2010. Register at nhrliberty.org by October 26th for a free copy of Dr. Wood's book. That's nhrliberty.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us uh, online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features there completely free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include archives, the bulletin board system, uh, the wiki, and more. It's all there for you free at freetalklive.com. Oh, sorry about that, Mark. Go ahead. Try that again. Microphone there? Am I still on the show? You are. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? Well, you should. He has five days of firearms training waiting for you, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. It's FrontSight.com. All right, as we continue here, uh, taking your calls, Jesse is still with us from New Hampshire. Jesse, you're back on Free Talk Live. Oh, hey. I, well, just real quick, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, about the H1N1. I, I just recently saw a video uh, on YouTube about a uh, H1N1, but it's by a, a, a guy from England. Uh, he's called the anti-terrorist. Yes, I uh, love the anti-terrorist. Do you? All right. Well, okay, you're familiar with him then. He, he just put out a video. He put out four videos about the H1N1. And I just you know, like to encourage everyone to you know, check them out. They're they're long. They're uh, they're all about ten minutes long. They're four videos, but uh, it, it explains quite a bit about uh, the virus itself. And I I've I've never taken a flu shot myself, but I've heard Mark say every time he takes one, he gets sick. My boss. Kind of explains the that. two times. My boss has been pushing them at work because our company is paying for them, and so they gave out a bunch of vouchers so that anyone who works for our company can get a free flu shot. The swine flu one? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe just a regular one. I don't Probably even know. Probably the swine flu, because that's the big thing right, right now. But he's, like, pushing it on people. Like, come on, you should get this. You should get this. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want the flu, thanks. But I don't know. You can continue. It reminded me of that. I thought it was weird. Well, it's my understanding that you can't actually get the H1N1 virus from the the, the shot, but many people have many more, many people have reactions that they just write off on as as other things, and that's the know, reactions to the shot. You mean they have reactions to the shots? I have an allergic reaction that looks remarkably like the flu to the flu shot. Jesse, well, yeah, I I, I couldn't comment on that. I I've never taken a flu shot. I I don't me think neither. I ever will. I, I I'm really not a I'm not all about needles to begin with. I'm just not the vaccine. I'm with you. I'm, it's not necessarily about needles for me. It's just that I'm not really that frightened. I mean, I think that's what this is all based yeah. on. All of this, this whole swine flu scare is all about fear mongering. It's about getting people to be scared about, oh my God, it's the flu and it's first pigs and that's bad. Oh, it's the that's flu. Really, that's really what, the, what those videos center around. It's how it's based on fear, on how to get people to get out and want the shot. Yes, and that's really what those videos are centered around. So yeah, I would I would just encourage everyone to go check out a 
the anti-terrorist on YouTube. He's got some useful uh, stuff there. It, there's more than just the swine. The swine flu thing is his most recent video, but prior to that, he's got some great videos on how to interact with the police. We've talked about him on this oh, show yeah. on this show before. He's um, he's completely anonymous. He wears a, a black balaclava, and he's a very you can tell he's a very large guy, but that's about all you can tell because he changes his voice and he makes it impossible to identify him. He's very uh, interesting, very interesting character. I've exchanged a few emails with him, and I, I one time invited him on the show, but in order to get him on the show, we might have to find out what his phone number is or something like that. Basically, he passed on the idea, but he certainly appreciated the uh, the invitation. So I was looking at the, his most recent video, and I noticed that he's actually got his own book out now. So I went ahead and ordered a copy just to see what it's like, because I, I find him absolutely fascinating. Thank you for the call tonight, Jesse. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. But wait, wait a minute. Julia, you're not afraid? Well, that's what I, when he was like, why aren't you going to get the shot? You don't want to get sick. You get sick a lot, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I'm just not scared of getting the flu. I don't think about it. It doesn't bother me. Sometimes I get sick and, you know, I get over it. That's what happens. People it's, get sick, right? And, and I guess the specter here that people are mostly that are they're afraid afraid of the most is that some people have died as a result of the swine flu. But more people die from the regular standard run of the mill flu. That's what I've heard every year, right? And, and the big uh, flu scare back in the seventies, I think it was the swine, the swine flu. At well, that there was point the bird me. flu. Yeah, you that remember was pre- that SARS? Was yes, <laughs> all those big, big scares that turned into nothing. But this previous one, more people died from the vaccine than died from the the, really? the, the, the flu itself. Because these it, vaccines do have reactions, and that's the thing they, they just don't tell you. And they don't hold the companies that produce these responsible. Well, in fact, that's one of the things the anti-terrorist points out, is that, it, that apparently they've passed laws in ver- the various countries that are pushing this, the UK and over here, They've passed uh, legislation that has essentially exempted the companies that have made this vaccine from any kind of legal responsibility. So if you were to take the swine flu uh, vaccine, Julia, and keel over and die or become violently ill, you would not be able to there would not be able to be any lawsuit filed. These people are completely insulated from any kind of consequences. And, of course, they, he also points out that there really wasn't that much testing done on these things. You know, they basically rushed them to market with the approval uh, of, of the state. And he basically is, is suggesting that it's a big moneymaker, that this is just another strain of the flu. It's not inherently any more dangerous than any other strain of the flu. The flu is dangerous, though. It's not that dangerous. It's I mean, not, I don't know anyone from, who've died people, from it. People die from the flu. I mean, not that many. More people will probably die from lightning strikes this year than, yeah. than, than from the H1N1 virus. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, it's, it's not going to be that cataclysmic. Uh, right. If you don't want to die early, stop smoking cigarettes. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of health advice. Ignore all the vaccine shots and eh, don't smoke any cigarettes. And you're right, Mark, that there are consequences to taking vaccines. Anything that you take into your body that's a foreign substance, any kind of chemical, is going to have a reaction. For some people, because people's biologies are, uh, physiologies are different, someone is going to react more violently to one of these vaccines than somebody else might. And of course, then there's the whole question of the you know the metals that they put in these things and the, the right there's, the there's all that other stuff. Of. But you know the the people that are in the medical industry they aren't given the information on what's in here. They're just told it works. Don't worry, shut up. It works because 
you know, if I ask, if, if you end up, if I end up in a conversation with one of these people, because they often will write me and say, you're giving out bad information. You're killing people. For God's <laughs> sakes, your, your information on vaccines is killing people. Stop it. Stop. Stop immediately. And what, in fact, uh, you know, they'll, they'll stay, say is that my experience is wrong. That when I took the uh, the flu vaccine on two occasions became the the sickest I've ever been in my entire life because of these shots. That I am mistaken. That did not happen to me. It's total Shut coincidence, Mark. Up. Shut up. Total Don't ever say it again. That's and, right. And, and, and you know this kind of uh, you know like shoving down of information is the kind of thing that makes people react. So you have to acknowledge that people have reactions to vaccines. And yes. Companies that produce vaccines that have reactions, you know, maybe people should have to sign a waiver, but they shouldn't be exempt from lawsuits. One of the things that I think is most disturbing, though, about this situation is how pumped up they are getting about this, the government people and their associates in the medical industry. It's an epidemic. 900 whole people have died. What, in a, is that planet, true? Is in a planet true? of uh, 6 billion. Is it true? 900? All I, nation- around the world. Okay. is the number. What is really disturbing is that you may start seeing swine flu checkpoints. You may start in the airports, maybe the first place that you'll see this. And this has been suggested in the news. There's been a news story about this. We talked about it, where they may be eyeballing people for signs of the flu, and maybe then they'll decide to force one of these vaccines on you. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And do you hate making those extra trips back from the car to your home to carry in the grocery bags? For the last few months at my house, Julia and I have been using the Tota Sack, and they are handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States. It's designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. You can go to totasack.com. That's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com. Get yourself a family pack today. You won't regret it. These things are great. Uh, <laughs> they really are. They're, they're convenient little tools. And you know me, Mark. I mean, you've been frustrated sometimes about you're, my uh, reluctance to get behind miser. A, no, no, not my miser, okay. miserliness, but my reluctance, because these aren't as expensive at all. No. Uh, my reluctance to get behind products. You know, I'm not the first person that's going to jump uh, to endorse something. But, man, the first time I tried out the Tota Sack, I was, I was awestruck by how wonderful they are. So, T-O-T-A-S-A-K dot com, Tota Sack. Carries more than you can, a lot more. That's totasack.com. You know, Mark, you'd said right before we went to the break that the swine flu deaths were 900 for the world, and you've been corrected. It's 900 for the United States. Actually, it's gone over 1,000, according to the Associated Press. According to the AP. And uh, but there's also the other number is that there's 36,000 deaths per year generally due to the flu, you know, and those are complications with you know heart, bad hearts, bad blood, bad you know people in in poor health. The shocking thing about the H1N1 virus is that it tends to attack like young adults more so than than any other flu. It kills them often, and that's hmm. probably the most tragic stories or the stories you hear about. You know, people in their teens and their early 20s dying because it's just such a rare time to die. Yeah. And, you know, unless you're 
you know, dying in war for your country. Hallelujah. Well, the, the story here from the AP says that uh, there have been a thousand deaths in the U.S. so far. And it doesn't make it clear if that means it's so far this year. But let's just presume it's so far this year. If that's the case, then the swine flu is far less dangerous than the regular seasonal influenza. The CDC says 36,000 people die every year in the United States alone from regular old flu. And now what we're being told is, oh my God, there's a swine flu out there. Now you need to get this vaccine as well. And I, for one, am not, am not interested. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not frightened. I've had the flu before. I've survived it. I don't I expect even to know it the next time. when I have the flu. I just get sick and I don't go to the doctor. I just right. get better over time. So I don't, I don't know what the difference is between a flu and a cold and a virus. I just sometimes I get sick. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I'm exactly the same way, and I'm just not intimidated by this. And that's what they want you to be. They want you to be frightened. They want you to be intimidated. People are dying all across the world for a variety of reasons. How many vaccines do you want to take? I mean, if if, if a vaccine can solve all of the uh, the problems of health issues out there, then just line people up and dope them up. Line them up, because it, it would seem that there would be no shortage of vaccines that you could possibly pump yourself full of in the, in the hopes that you'll somehow save yourself from the, the problem of going through a little bit about a bout of sickness. Or perhaps most... you should just lock yourself in your house and keep it clean and never leave, ever, and never invite anyone in either. Well, if you never go out and associate with people, then you won't ever get to build up immunity. So when you finally do go out, you would really never, ever, ever yeah, have to go never. out. Because, but I mean, if you're that terrified, just right. lock yourself in your room and live a lame, stupid, boring life. Well, the, 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 what they want to do is they want to control other people's behavior so that they feel more protected. And really the question is, well, what kind of bacteria and viruses are you creating for the future generations or your later, um, your later life? What are we doing there by creating all these viruses? You know, you're, you're creating bugs that are going to be immune to these things, and then you're going to be treating them, well, in the same fashion that people who are taking natural remedies are treating them now by, you know, more vitamin C, more vitamin D, things like that. Anyway, I just thought it would be interesting to get some of the hard numbers out there about how dangerous this particular brand of flu is compared to the standard brand of flu. Doesn't sound like it's much. No, it doesn't. It one thirty-sixth really of the danger, essentially. And, and, and the flu normally affects people that are elderly and very, very young. Isn't that correct, Mark? You said this swine flu is a little different in that it's, it's been affecting different. younger people, like young adults, that yeah. kind of thing. So, okay, that's a little bit different, but I'm still not intimidated. No. And I, if the government is recommending that you take a shot, that's even more of a reason to not take it as far as I'm <laughs> that's concerned. That's actually funny. There was one kid who, when he was offering shots, he was like, no, thank you. A little too much recommendation that I've heard about this shot. And you mean it works? Yeah, he was really funny. He like instantly was like preaching about how you should not get the shot. Good for him. Yeah, your, it, was, it was funny. Your toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Let's change gears. Let's talk about the ways, Mark, 20 different ways. That you can waste your money. And there are a lot more than 20, I imagine, but we're going to focus on 20 of them in, in, in kind of a, uh, an educational aspect, right? This is more of a self-help. Sometimes we like to do this on Free Talk Live. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily a, a daily thing, but occasionally we'll come across an article that is, is pretty useful from a make your, raise yourself up kind of perspective. Does and, it bother you like that, that we're not going to get through all 20 of these? I mean, what do you, what do you want to do? It doesn't bother there? me. Let's okay. hit it. Let's do it. Because we can always continue it at a, at a later time. Okay, this is from uh, Aaron Burt at uh, Kiplinger.com. 
20 ways it's a money to, website, right? I, I, you know, yeah, it is. Okay. Um, 20 ways to waste your money. Whether a newbie or a seasoned budgeter, nearly everyone has spending holes, leaks in your budget that drain money with you mm-hmm. hardly noticing. These small drips can add up to big bucks. Once you find the holes and plug them, you'll keep more money in your pocket. That spare cash can could be the ticket to finally being able to save, invest, and break your cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. And this is a dangerous cycle, and one that I've certainly been in in my life. Here are 20 common ways people waste money. See if any of these sound familiar, and then look for ways to plug your own leaks. Okay. Number starting one. starting with 20? Okay, starting with one. Got it. Buy one instead of, uh, buy, excuse me, buy new instead of used. Talk about spending leaks, or rather, a gush. Cars lose most of their value in the first few years, meaning thousands of dollars down the drain. However, usually it's right after you drive it off the lot. That's certainly a big issue right then. Recent used models, those that are less than five years old, can be a real value because you can get a car that's still in fine working order for a fraction of the new car price, and you'll pay less on collision insurance and taxes, too. How about furniture? That's another one. Oh, yes. Very, very big issue. You pay through the nose, go to Lazy Boy or something like that, and pay through the nose for some uh, some furniture, and yep. then you can go... What you're paying for in furniture is the convenience of not having to search around for something that matches or, and something that's exactly like what you're looking mm-hmm. for, and what you pay for it are thousands and thousands of dollars extra. I, I actually... My, one of my friends was looking for a couch recently, and we went to like every single furniture store in Keene, mm-hmm. and I can't believe how much furniture costs... When I think about, like, when I was a little kid and we would move somewhere and we would have no furniture and my parents would furnish the whole house, holy crap, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Unless you go to garage sales, which is, the, right. I think, the best way to get furniture. Well, I'm pretty sure that my parents would have bought, like, used furniture and that kind of yeah. thing. But but I just, when I was seeing the price tags of things, I, I mean, we had furniture in every room and fairly nice furniture. So just the, wow. Even the, uh, even even the used furniture can be expensive if you're looking compared to, say, garage sale furniture, you know? Oh, yeah. But garage sale furniture you really have to kind of accept what you get that's true yeah that's true um cars aren't the only thing worth buying used consider that saving on pre-owned books toys exercise equipment and furniture of course there are some things that you're better off buying new including mattresses laptops linens, shoes safety equipment oh yeah laptops buying a used laptop probably a pretty bad idea yeah bad idea and they're so they're so cheap brand new anyway who cares Carry a credit card balance. This is advice to be poor. Um, carry a credit card balance. If you have a thousand dollars balance on a card charging eighteen percent, you blow one hundred eighty bucks every year on interest. That's oh, money God. you could certainly put to better use elsewhere. And if you're carrying that balance, you're likely not carrying a thousand dollars. You're probably carrying ten. I've never done it. But don't. Never had a balance. It's all I've always paid it right off the bat. It's it, yeah. You do what you can to pay those things off. If you can't afford what you're buying. You should not be buying it. If you don't have enough money in your bank account to cover whatever it is that you're purchasing, whether it's that new laptop or whatever the product is, you you aren't ready for that. Put it off. Save some money. And I've done that a lot recently um, in the, within the past two years to just put things off. And, you know, surprise, the things that I wouldn't have put off in the past, I do, I do live okay without. Yeah. And eventually, especially on something like a laptop, put that off and it'll get cheaper over time. More coming up, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. More ways to waste your money on the way. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose in every genre. Audible has it covered. Get your free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL for your free audiobook. All right, Mark, we're reading, uh, you're sharing with us the 20 ways to waste money. And, of course, the suggestions here are you shouldn't do these things right. if you want to uh, Nobody to wants to waste money. money, so these are good advices on how to, good, good advice on how to save. Right. Financial intelligence is not something they teach you at government schools, so you have to learn it from your parents. And if your parents don't know anything about finances, then you've got to get it somewhere. So maybe it's going to be free talk live. Could very well uh, be. You never know. One of the things you did mention, though, Mark, was uh, buying used is a great way to waste money. And one of the ways no, that you can... No, it's a great way to save money. Buying used me, buying new is a great is a great, great way to waste right. money. So one of the things you can do is to buy used, and uh, you can do that through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase, whether you buy new or whether you buy used, because some things are better new, but there's some that is, just doesn't really matter as long as there aren't scratches on that DVD. Buy it used, right? Yep. Uh, so head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, get the stuff you want, the stuff you need, and help I'd Free Talk Live too. Used video games is another one that is is pretty cool because when you buy a video game, you really, I mean, now we can read uh, reviews and stuff online, but um, they, especially online, they can be considerably cheaper. And I mean, you know, how often do you play video games for them to be worth sixty dollars? I mean, yeah, plus. Oh gosh. plus if you buy online, you don't have to get yes. ID'd. I actually boycotted i started boycotting gamestop because one day i went over after work and i was going to buy a game and i didn't even think about the fact that it was you know you had to be 17 but i was wearing like my assistant manager official name tag and and the girl was like well i'm gonna need to see an id for this (laughs) and i said look do you really think that i'm an assistant manager somewhere at age 17 like really and (laughs) i work over there and and she was just like no, I'm sorry, I can't. And and I I mean, it wasn't really her fault. She can't because she has to follow these rules. But that's just a bad policy. I'm sorry. I buy my games on Amazon.com. They're cheaper, and I don't get ID'd. You walked out. The GameStop too, didn't you? will. Yeah, I did. I didn't buy the game, and GameStop will never have my business yeah. again. So. No sale, lady. Yep. See you later. I'll get it on Amazon for cheaper, and I won't get ID'd or hassled. Thanks. Yeah, I don't have that problem. All right, Mark. Well, maybe you haven't. Have you bought one from recently? No, I have gray hair. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Some, some so, place they'll, they'll ID you if you look yeah, under 45. Yeah, my mom got ID'd the other day. She said, and my mom definitely does not look anywhere near 30. Late 40s. So what yeah. am I supposed to do, not not buy alcohol from places that ID me? I mean, because they're only not IDing me because I have gray hair anyway. If I looked younger, they would ID me. So well, If, if you I could mean, get a better deal on alcohol online, then you should. I <laughs> right, mean, you should do whatever you yeah. want to do. I, I, you know, the, the, the advice isn't that you shouldn't buy where you get ID'd. No, that's not what I was getting right. at i was just saying that experience really irritated me i just wanted to take the video yep. game home and played it and, and sure. play it so i i don't buy games from places that i do it's just annoying next up mark ways to waste money buy on impulse when you buy oh, before yeah. you think you don't give yourself time to shop around for the best price resist the urge to take to make an impulse purchase by giving yourself a cool off period go home and sleep on the decision if you still want to make that purchase a day or so later do your comparison shopping, check your budget, and go for it. Oftentimes, though, I bet you'll decide you don't need them after all. And I think yeah. that, that that cool-off period of one day, 
might be even better if you're talking about two weeks. Because, you know, it's sure. just so if you need it, you need it. If you don't, you don't. And it's it's funny how many things you think you you want or you need or your life could be better. Well, if you, it could be. It will be in two weeks, too. Well, there are those uh, when you go out the grocery store or Walmart or something like that, the when you're at the cash registers, the products that are surrounding the cash register, those are called impulse buy products. And in many cases, you can get a better deal if you just walk into the store a little further. If you, you know, you want to buy one of those little mini candy bars that they have there, you could get a much better deal by going and buying, you know, the bulk buy bag that they have back in the actual candy aisle. So if you are somebody who buys Snickers on a regular basis, don't buy the one at the cash register. Go back and buy yourself a buy you six know, of them and, a full you know, bag yeah. or whatever. And then, part, of course, then you have to be careful about how often you eat them, I suppose. Yeah. But. I'd this is all really, about self-control. Right. Impulse buys. I, I'm sure there are some people out there that have a real problem with it, but every once in a while I'll buy a pack of gum or a candy bar. And I mean, what is it, 99 cents? Who cares? Well, it's it's just, you know, for the people that it's 99 cents here and 99 cents there. And if it's if you are on a tight budget, and Julia, you're pretty good with your money. Uh, if you're on a tight budget, you're not making a lot of money, then 99 cents here and there can start to add up. Oh, it can. Absolutely. Uh, number four advice on uh, how to waste money. Pay to use an ATM. A buck or two oh, here yeah. and there. And you may not seem like a big deal, but if you're frequently ATM, uh, frequenting ATMs outside your bank's network, the surcharges can add up quickly. Put the money back in your pocket by using ATMs in a surcharge-free network. This uh, is another one of those things that I just don't have a problem with because... It, it would seem to me that if you're constantly at an ATM, just you are not able to... Just take more cash ma- out. Right. Well, you're not able to manage your money. Right? Because why don't you just have more cash on hand if you're constantly going well, to ATMs? If you don't have cash on hand, it's probably because you believe you can't handle the cash, maybe for a good reason. That's not necessarily true. No? I have friends who just don't like to carry cash. It's just yeah. easier to carry a card around. Um, and they, it's just to easier to swipe swipe the card. I'd, but some in some places charge for that kind of stuff. Right. Every bank will charge you, no. with the exception so, of your bank. You see, That's right? not this is, true. This, right. You, you don't know because you don't use ATMs. That's and not true. They have networks, and the yeah. networks are free, and the ones that aren't. And you know, I that's see. That's just an issue. You in your to town, you know where the ATMs are. Go there and use those as opposed to one the one that's particularly convenient. Yes, you'll have to do a certain level of money management, uh, but you know, when, if you go out of town, take some cash with you right. or whatever it is that you want to use. And, I mean, if you're going to the ATM several times in your pay period or whatever and you're taking out 200 bucks each time maybe you should take out 600 bucks if you know that's about what the cash you need for your two weeks or or whatever but but I, you're definitely not entirely correct about the fees I, and i think they've gotten better over time like you're a right. lot I'd, better i'd forgotten about the, uh, the the networks you're right about this you have to look for the logo oh, that's on the back of your card. i use my debit card all the time and i don't get charged unless i'm like in new york or something like that or massachusetts um, and it's just easier than carrying cash around. I, I hate getting the change back, and then I don't know what to do with it. It doesn't fit in my wallet. I don't carry a purse. Well, you're talking about using your debit card. You're not talking about going to an ATM and getting cash out with that That's debit correct. card. Right. Well, when you use your debit card, there's no fee. What we're Sometimes talking there about. is. Really? At a retailer? Uh, yes. I've never seen if that. If you're at a retailer that's out of the area, I'm positive I have seen charges on my my debit card. I'm absolutely a, positive. I'd like to see that the next time you see one of those because debit cards usually operate like a Visa card, essentially. A debit card, when you're swiping it at Walmart or whatever store it is you're going to, uh, the the vendor is getting a transaction fee from the bank for the convenience of, of using that card. They've, yeah. they've essentially built it into their price. I have seen on my statements before, under like when I go to New York or something like that, I'll mm-hmm. see like a charge and then under it it'll say like a dollar. 
A debit card charge. Yeah, like just a debit card charge. And I don't go to ATMs because I don't take cash. I just swipe my debit card wherever I go. Hmm. So I think you're wrong about that. News to me. Uh, I don't use debit I cards. I certainly so I can, be, couldn't can tell you. be wrong about that. Um, number five advice on how to waste money. Dine out frequently. A habit, uh-huh. of, a, habit do of, it. a habit of spending $10, $20, $30 per person on dinner can be a huge drain on your wallet. Throw in on a uh, six dollar sand- throw a six dollar sandwich for lunch and a four dollar latte in the morning, and y- you've got quite a leak. Uh, learn to cook, pack your lunch, brew your coffee at home, and you could save a couple of hundred bucks each month. Absolutely, absolutely true. I-, I used to you know live the lifestyle where I ate out constantly, and I- you know I-, I made quite a bit of money, and I was able to to, to support that without any difficulty. But, but- you didn't save any money during right. that time. I didn't. I did you know not. what's funny about that though is is the last few times I've cooked. Um, I've noticed that my bill's pretty big. Like I made homemade Chinese food the other day, for example, and I swear I would have saved money if I would have just gone to King's Garden. I think that sometimes that when it comes to like Chinese food and pizzas, that uh, you're, you're you're pushing the limits on the uh, the saving thing. <clears throat> the uh, you know I find that the pizzas that you get from the store are small and not that great. When you look at a, uh, a you know a pizza you get from the restaurant, you know you get extra pieces left over, things like that. What do you think, Ian? You eat uh, frozen pizzas all the time. Uh, I, I don't know. It just depends on when you get one from the store. You can get them as cheap as three bucks. Oh, those are the so. really awful ones. That's not true. It depends which brand. There are some cheaper brands that are better than others. And I mean, the pizza that I like to buy when it's not on sale is six dollars, and it's pretty big. And it feeds two people, and sometimes there's leftovers. I don't know. Okay, so uh, you're welcome to comment on this, but we're running out of time here tonight. We will continue this, whether it's tomorrow night or, or sometime next week. I, I always like this uh, financial intelligence stuff. And I, d- I definitely want to know more about this, these debit card surcharges because it's my understanding that the business owner builds in a certain uh, cost to all of their products, knowing that the debit card company or the credit card processors are going to take a you know 2.9% or 3% uh, amount out of every sale and that that's where it comes from. I would suggest that if you're getting charged uh, debit card fees for buying things from vendors, that you look into another debit card. But maybe this is something that happens with a lot of people. I'd love to hear from you on this uh, at another night, but we're out of time. It's been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us uh, online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. We'll see you tomorrow night. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. All right, the interview series continues. This is Mark Edge, and uh, I'm bringing to you today. You know, as I said, these interviews are for me, and I'm doing them so that everybody can listen. But uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to grow and learn in this this movement like everybody else is. So I'm doing interviews with people I feel I can learn from, and that's the reason that I brought this guy on today. Paul Mursky, um, you're going to have to do the introductions. I don't know too much about you except that you were a uh, you know member of the New Hampshire House at one point. Yeah, excuse me. I have a little bit of a cold, so we'll get through this. Certainly. Uh, yeah, my name is I'm Paul Mursky. I live in Enfield, New Hampshire. I was elected to the House in 1995 and uh, uh, as a Republican from the town of Enfield. And in the course of... Uh, my experience in the House was covered 10 years. Uh, the first term, first run of uh, time was between 95 and, I guess, 2000, and then I was reelected in uh, 2002 and 
it back out, I think, in 2004. I think that's the way it went. Uh, no, actually, it was 2004, 2006. It's a little hard to sort this out. Sometimes. Sure, sure. In 2006, in 2006, a lot of Republicans got swept out with the uh, right. basically the disenchantment with uh, George Bush as though state Republicans had anything to do with that. Yeah, that's right. And it's um, there are a lot of uh, sad things about that. Uh, not so much on the Republican side, but particularly what that how what the effect of uh, national politics has on local uh, elections, which is something we could talk about another time, perhaps. But uh, in any event, I was elected in '95. I served on the Resource and Recreation Committee, and then I served on judiciary for a while. And while I was on judiciary, <clears throat> we got to look at. Uh, the fairly unfortunate uh, behavior on the part of certain judges, uh, which in turn over time led me to uh, file a first a bill of address to remove the Chief Justice in 1999 and then uh, a bill of impeachment in 2000 to try to correct some of the problems with the court system. So that was I, Claremont specifically, right? Well, that wasn't about Claremont. It was about a judiciary that decided to uh, rule subjectively instead of according to the rule of law and uh, to adopt an idea about justice, well, what they call it is therapeutic justice. It's a theory about justice that began to evolve in the 50s, having to do with judges uh, concluding that they could make better policy decisions than elected representatives. And so in our own court, uh, the individuals, the principal individual who became associated with that was Judge uh, David Brock. But there were others poking around in the periphery who were really feeding him uh, with these ideas, and it became quite a quite a problem for the state, and it's still a problem for the state. But uh, at least uh, the chief justice is not there anymore. Although one of his handmaidens, uh, the current chief justice, still is. It's a problem. It's too much to get into. Maybe just a short uh, short sure. discussion. But, sure. Uh, this is uh, really just to to let people know who you are, and I can tell you that the uh, the Republican uh, title doesn't give doesn't gain a lot, gain a lot of cred on this particular show. Yeah. Although I'm a member of the Republican Liberty Caucus, and I will admit that readily. Yeah. You know, basically, I'm a libertarian, and I I believe that the Libertarian Party is essentially useless. So in in most cases, that you know, it's just it's just too difficult to get a candidate run in that area. So by and large, I you know, I, I sort of return to my Republican roots because I figure you have to run them in one party or another. So how do you stack up on that uh, that level? Well, I think uh, I think. Uh... I would probably be classified more of a libertarian Republican. I think that on most issues, I'm uh, pretty much 100% in favor of personal freedom. There are a couple areas where I diverge. Uh, it has to do with uh, well, maybe only really one serious area that I diverge, and that would be uh, in the area of abortion. A lot of libertarians would like to say that a woman has 100% uh, interest in that subject. But, I'm of uh, the opinion you know, that um, that... That people can differ on the abortion issue and still be good libertarians on either, yeah, so either I'm side. Yeah, so saying, so it's a matter of whether or not you believe the child ought to be considered a liber, an individual or, or not. So, yep. apart from that, I'm I'm mostly there, I guess. So there sounds like your cred's think, good enough for me. Yeah, I think that I think that there are certain social considerations having to do with uh, community order that require uh, an application of certain social, a certain amount of social social conservatism, only because. Communities at large are generally not attuned uh, to a full-blown libertarian philosophy, and it's quite frankly, it's frightening to many people. 
Oh, I, I think haven't that, thought it, they haven't thought it through. It seems to me that there'll have to be a progression into liberty without um, you know, being some sort of terrible chaos. So, you know, I'm, I think that one can be for liberty and still be for progression towards an, or, an orderly progression towards liberty at the same time. Uh, I, if you want to classify me as something, I would say I'm a Lockean. Sounds good I'm enough a, to me. I'm a big believer in John Locke. Now, um, you and I got into a, a discussion and um, on one of the the boards, and that's the reason that, that you're on the show is because I want to sort of flesh out what you have no. in mind here. And it seems like you've got sort of a plan for how to put more liberty-minded Republicans or liberty-minded people, I guess. I, I, this could probably be used for the Democratic Party in the rare instance that one is able to uh, find a, a liberty-minded Democrat like Joel Winters. Um but but you you have some sort of plan. So can you um, sort of outline that plan as best we can? And if I have some questions, I'll ask them. Well, I don't I don't personally have an operation on the ground, but I'll tell you what is most important for anyone who cares about liberty, and that is uh, to, you have to become involved in the process. There are plenty of libertarians who kind of hold their arm out and they say we don't want to be involved with the process because it's somehow corrupting. But uh, government is what it is, and people make laws and rules and regulations that govern your life. So if you don't become involved, then you're ultimately going, anyone who takes that position is ultimately going to be governed by individuals who don't have those interests. So first, the first thing anyone has to do is to begin to think about uh, the nature of community. You know, we all live in a town or city somewhere in New Hampshire. If, well, actually, and, uh, this uh, this show's um, broadcast uh, uh, nationally, actually internationally, well, so there's people li- living all across the world. But, well, okay, then let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. Then, no matter where you live, uh, the only way to ultimately gain any kind of uh, 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 recognition uh, for ideas is to become involved in a public way. So individual, what individuals need to do is they need to become involved in their community, and they need to volunteer for boards, they need to volunteer for public service, they have to become involved. They have to get involved with budget committees. They have to become involved with town councils, select boards, all of that sort of thing. At whatever level, it doesn't necessarily first require an election. And I think once one becomes involved in a direct way in, in local government, uh, then one has an opportunity to uh, begin to be heard. And, and through acts and uh, through behavior, people begin to understand what the uh, philosophy is, is that you stand for. And if, certainly if you stand for liberty, then most everything you do will reflect it. And, and the motions that you make and the votes you take and the acts you uh, conduct, the way you conduct yourself on the street and in the community. But, and, and I need to speak really from the context of New Hampshire because New Hampshire is a, a state which sure. is, uh, was originally comprised. The state of New Hampshire was created by small towns. It wasn't created in some kind of broad conceptual way that, uh, that just somehow created these small towns. With the small towns... In the Seacoast, prior to the Revolution, they became very unhappy with their lack of representation in the uh, in the Colonial Assembly. The, uh, they could not elect their own their own members. The ones that they would elect were subject to veto power uh, by the governor. And in 1865, there was a terrific brouhaha about this, uh, to, to, to the degree that which they appealed to the Privy Council, the king, to uh, get the right to elect their own representatives to. Uh, the, the Hampshire Assembly, and uh, the king came back, and uh, the Privy Council came back, the king came back and re- refused to grant them that right. And that just sort of set the stage. So when people are arguing property taxes and, uh, that sort, excuse me, taxes and representation down in uh, Boston, up here in New Hampshire, they're, in a, they're already wound up because uh, they feel they've been deprived of their right as free Englishmen to have a say in government. So 
the idea of, uh, of, of a community government, small-town government, representational government, is really born here more than anywhere else, although we were way out on the end of the food chain back in uh, that day. We were like Maine <laughs> is today, and uh, the press was really written, you know, the press was down in Boston. So uh, New, Hampshire, New Hampshire became intensely interested in government at the, low, at the smallest possible, uh, lowest possible level most possible political level. And so when it came time, when the Continental Congress encouraged the various communities of safety to do something about forming, uh, writing constitutions, New Hampshire was the first out of the block in 1776 in January. This was like, what, five, six, this, uh, six seven months before uh, the Declaration of Independence. And we had already broken from England. We'd written our own constitution. We'd adopted it. Hmm. Then in the middle of the, throughout the Revolution, the subject of how we should be governed was, was argued, debated. I forget how many, I think there were like 13 separate submissions to the people for, uh, for proposals for constitutions. And, and finally, when the dust finally settled, uh, we did adopt a constitution, I think, 1784, that was really quite remarkable. And our constitution starts with a whole panoply of rights. We start off by saying, saying what our rights are, and there are now, 30, I think, 32, something like that in the, in, in the document. And only after you get exhausted describing what these rights are do you get around to saying how government's supposed to operate. So people here started off with exactly the ideas that probably the majority of people would listen to on this program. They started out with the ideas about liberty. And if you want to read an absolutely fantastic constitution, you pick up the New Hampshire Constitution and read Part 1. And if you can't get excited about that, then you certainly can't get excited about government because it's a document that embodies all these fantastic concepts and puts them to use in a way, in a second part of the Constitution, is really quite direct and wonderful. We, a lot of detail we can't get into tonight. It's too, much, too esoteric a way. But anyway, I'm just saying we have a remarkable document here in that we govern ourselves by. And one of the most important aspects of it was the aspect of representation. And <clears throat> the concept fundamentally was that uh, in the structuring of the state and the structuring of the assembly, so whenever a town got to a point where a hundred uh, eligible polls, in other words, votable uh, citizens who could vote, in that time they were property owners. When you got to that point, you got a representative in the legislature. Gee whiz. That, that, that formula, of course, changed over time. It would have to. And and in, 19, in the 40s, they were, we were growing to such a degree that we were outgrowing the state house. It was a practical matter. They limited it to the number of seats in the room. <laughs> but uh, what I'm getting at is the idea... Uh, with respect to New Hampshire government, is that government ought to come from the bottom up, always. So you start at the local level, you develop some, you develop, you develop strong local government, and then you send your representative to the state to represent your town in that legislature, your town's interest, the interest of your your community in that legislature. And because we have so many legislators, you know, when I ran, I think I represented 3,100 people. Now, you talk to a representative from any other state. There are two things they just can't believe. One, that you represent so few people, and secondly, you don't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's a good thing too, because it's a voluntary legislature. People come in; they have they're motivated by other other other. other uh, there are other things that motivate them than uh, gaining some kind of great uh, status as a, as a politician or some great uh, uh, function. You know, some a job in government. A, big, a so, big paycheck, and I, I can yeah. tell you, there's I think there's advantages and disadvantages to it. I. I would never ad- advocate large paychecks or any paychecks for uh, for you know legislature. However, what you often find is that uh, the retirees are the ones that are 
and passing the laws and that kind of thing. And it, it tends to, to sort of hold back progress to some extent. But, you know, uh, be that well, as it progress. The question is, for government, for anybody who is a student of government, what is progress? We've got a whole, sure. we've got a whole washing full of progressives right now, right? That's progress. Uh, well, so, <laughs> that's what they so, see as progress. <laughs> what well, I see I'm as just, progress is progressing towards yeah. liberty. But, you know. Well, progressing toward liberty is going backwards uh, to, to, the, to the founding documents. Because that's where, you'll, that's where you really find, particularly in our Constitution, that's where you find the key. I don't think that the black people would probably agree with that particular statement. Oh, um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not suggesting slavery. Uh, my no, no, party, I, my, I know you're not. Our I, ideals, our ideals, what we're talking about here, our, when we, we started off talking about Republicans, it was Republicans that were the abolitionists. And until the 50s, blacks voted for Republicans. Yes. Because, because Democrats, the entire history of the Democratic Party, from the time they were slave owners to the time after the Civil War, where they worked desperately to to uh, to uh, keep uh, blacks in submission throughout Republican Reconstruction, to Woodrow Wilson, who reinstituted, who basically set out to dis- to disassemble the entire Reconstruction effort in the South and, and you know re re reenergize another 50 years of Jim Crow. It's not until <laughs> it's not a really really until the 50s and 60s that 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 the situation begins to change. So. We're we're the party. Republicans are fundamentally, I think, I think, I think our, our constitution, excuse me, our our, uh, our 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 platform, which I was involved in several several times in, in, in modifying it. Our platform is pretty good on the subject, and we're basically a party that is fundamentally interested in liberty. I'm not saying that there aren't wackos out there in the party who will wander away from that and get get enamored with. Running government and pulling the levers and turning the wheels, all that kind of stuff, which is a whole other problem. But fundamentally, those uh, the, the party is in the right place, or at least headed in the right place, and the other party is going to off the cliff. I agree with you in, in that part that the the Republicans at least talk about liberty. I, I think that there's a there's there's a, a legion of examples of of where the Republican Party has failed in the areas of liberty, and I think that uh, it, it it's it is uh, you know important for the people that that call themselves Republicans to to do its very best to keep the the party on on track. Um, you know, I I don't like either major party. I just like the Republicans more than I like the Democrats. <laughs> so, oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how you can how you can leverage. Any of the ideas that we have an interest in in the Democrat Party, it's not possible because that's a party that teaches dependency and infuses whomever its entire constituency with the idea of, of dependency. There's not a shred of interest in advancing individual initiative, individual ideas, individual uh, individual uh, imagination, or anything else. It's a party that is sub, sub, fundamentally uh, exists, uh, must function on the backs of others. And uh, so far as blacks in America go, since we're talking about that a minute, a minute ago, they were dependent. They were a, 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 an own dependency at the beginning of the Democratic Party, and today they're political dependency. Yeah. And that entire the entire minority uh, crowd in America is treated that way by the Democrat Party as, a, as, as not as a as, in, as 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 a groups of individuals who with individual aspirations, goals, and hopes, and all this kind of stuff. They're really just simply tre- treated as, uh, as 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 dogs. As, as, they're, they're thrown bones, and they're expected to obey orders, exactly. just like a dog. Uh, so you can't go there. You can't even be anywhere near that party without getting, without getting, without, 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 without. You can't go there if you believe in liberty. You just can't. Now, uh, Paul. Now, now um, I want to say, you know, I want to say, that obviously, that we're using generalizations. I know Democrats who would certainly not fall in that class, in that category, and they have some other, some other reasons for, for joining that particular party. But since we were talking about uh, blacks and uh, that history a minute ago, I just want to make 
that point. Oh, sure. It's all generalizations. You have to because, um, you know, if you're talking about groups, you can't talk about specific individuals. Now, um, what happened was a, a gentleman's running for governor here in, in New Hampshire. I don't know what his chances are. And um, I asked some questions that were very pro-liberty, mostly on the sort of uh, uh, social liber- liberty side, because he, cle- he clearly seems to be a guy who's uh, for a fiscal, you know, uh, fiscal conservatism. And I just wanted to find out where he was as far as liberty on some other issues. And what was uh, what? What you said is that essentially these questions are bad questions, and the reason oh, that they're don't. bad questions is because if the guy answers them, uh, if if he answers them in the positive, the way you want to have them, then people won't elect him because he's for prostitution and and uh, I can't remember what the rest of them are, but you know it's it's this litany of and, and gambling and and marijuana legalization and all these things that might scare uh, sort of a Republican base and. At the at the same time, you know, it's like, you know, how how do we find out whether a candidate's pro liberty or not? Now, I don't disagree with what you said. It sounds you made a very good case that if the guy does answer in the positive, that you know, he might not very might very well not get elected. Well, the problem with being an ideologue is if you're absolute, if you're an absolutist, then the odds are you will either spend your entire time outside of uh, outside the window. Or once you're elected, you will not. You will serve a, serve a short term, and that is because the, the vast numbers of individuals in society are not attuned to, to these ideas to the degree that you or I might be. They just aren't. They, they you know, they work. Uh, they work an eight-hour day. They drive home. They get family issues. Uh, they what they get out. What they think about politics, they might get off the evening news or off a of cable news. But they're not uh, necessarily historians. They're not people. They're not people who spend, perhaps spend a lot of time thinking about this. We don't teach history very well in school, so many many people. I don't know how you got to where you are, but my my where I am, I suppose, comes from a lot of reading and interest, just kind of general reading. And slowly over time, you form some kind of idea about uh, um, what your you know how how government ought to treat your own interests and aspirations. Uh, and uh, if you if you want to pursue your own interests and aspirations, if we're teaching people to to grow up and, and to be as independent as possible. Then we get libertarians. If, grown, if we have a government that teaches people to be dependent, then we don't get them. So what we have is an educational system, a culture, which doesn't make these questions particularly uh, relevant. So while they're right up in the top uh, uh, of interest for you and I, the guy across the street from you would go across the street and you, just, and you start having this kind of conversation, either A, going to throw you out of the kitchen or think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So, you know, it's just the way it is. So. What it boils down to is, if you're going to make a pitch, I think you have to you have to make a pitch for liberty, in as mo- in the most generic way you possibly can, uh, and be consistent about it. I think as long as a candidate is consistent in word and deed, then a lot of the questions about well, uh, you know, you can speculate about speculate about whether or not prostitution should be permitted, or whether or not gambling should be permitted, or whether or not this or that should be permitted. Um, uh, if the if the if the constituency you're trying to reach is indefinite or opposed or hasn't thought about it, then what you do is you raise issues which just give the other side the opportunity to beat you to death, beat a good candidate to death, for being honest. Um, and it's not so much being, it's not dissembling or being dishonest, it's just that. Uh, these questions, a lot of these questions are, are really belong in, uh, in, uh, in uh, not, maybe not conference rooms, but in roundtable discussions where you can kind of discuss the pros and cons in a way that uh, allows individuals to mull the concepts over in their heads. You know, uh, it's like slavery. When 
take slavery, since we, started, we mentioned that a minute ago. When Jefferson and those guys negotiated the United States Constitution, they couldn't solve the slavery problem. Nope. If they had insisted on uh, abolishing slavery, we would not have a country today. We'd have two. <laughs> yeah, we'd have two, or we may have three. We don't know what we'd have. We yeah. might have, you know, we certainly wouldn't have. We certainly wouldn't have the one we have. And had we not had the one we had, we wouldn't have the Louisiana Purchase. We wouldn't have a lot of other things. Now, when Jefferson was doing all that, he was a slave owner, right? So, uh, what I'm getting at is, uh, you have to, in a political environment, there are requirements. You have to find a way to compromise. You have to find it. You can't take the absolute position, even though it's where you, you want to be when you're not in that kind of engaged. You have to find a way to compromise because there's a bunch of people out there that don't agree with you. And to move the ball anywhere, you have to find some kind of ground where you can have a conversation. And the trouble with our side, and I say our side because I think I'm fairly strongly and generally in a libertarian camp. That's it. it's, you uh, seem to be. Our to side be... Is we're in everybody's face. You can't. Um, we have to find a way to communicate this idea of liberty uh, in a manner that helps individuals work out where they are with respect to it. You know, what Locke says, one of the interesting things about Locke, what I like most about it, is that his argument for liberty doesn't, is, not a, is, not based, is not God-based. Now, I happen to be a, I'm a, I'm a practicing Catholic. I believe in God, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a religionist in that sense. But in terms of arguing for rights, starting with the idea of rights being God-given is not the place to go. Uh, and despite the fact that all the founding documents speak of it that way, that's not the place to go. And what, what, what Locke was busy about prior to uh, his two treatises was uh, debunking the divine right of kings. Yes. He was interested in individual liberty. He wanted to debunk the, debunk the divine right of kings. Right of, divine right of kings. So sure. You can't have a divine you, right of... How can you say these individual rights come from God if you're denying the king the right to have uh, the divine right to rule? Right. You can't have a divine well, right of kings yeah, if, you have yeah. a, if you have a divine right huh? of liberty. Or... Yeah. So he asked a simple question. He says... Yes, he asked the individuals to declare themselves as free or slave. And who the hell wants to define themselves as a slave? No one does. <laughs> so you say, okay, you, 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 you want to assert your right as a free man, then what, are, what, what rights would, inherently, would you inherently have, have to have, in order to be, uh, in order to be able to uh, assert yourself as a free human being? And suddenly you're into the right of conscience, the right of speech, the right of self-defense, the right to travel and all the right, of, you know, all these other rights that are uh, so broadly enumerated in the New Hampshire Constitution. Only ten of which are really picked up in the not even ten really, but in the uh, in the federal constitution. So you start there and you say, what is, what 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 are what? If I'm going to claim an inalienable rights. What are inalienable rights? And inalienable rights turn out to be rights that require no contribution whatsoever from anybody else. They require and they obligate no one else. Whatsoever in any way. Yeah, so-called negative rights. Now, oh, yeah. Paul, Paul um, I, we're going to have I'm going to have to wrap this up. I've got uh, no. to get well, on the we're air. We're off the topic where you're trying to go. So, no problem. Um, uh, real quick, but before we go, I just want to answer, um, ask one more question. What do you think about free staters? How do you feel about them? You're I think a, the free state movement's been great for New Hampshire. I think you have a lot of individuals who are politically motivated who've come here with the idea that uh, this is a state that offers the opportunity to express themselves in liberty. New Hampshire historically has been a fundamentally libertarian state. We're very cheap. Uh, we've not historically been a socially conservative state. 
Um, so it's a good place to go. And the most important thing for anyone who comes here seeking liberty, whether someone in a free state or someone from New Jersey just trying to escape that rat hole down there, is that we, again, we're, we're a state comprised of small towns. And if you want to become involved, and you, this, these are important things, issues, liberty and arguing for this is important to you, you got, you got your local, you got your community where, where you can begin doing this, and you can have a voice. And you can get yourself elected to the state house, to the legislature, because it only takes, you're only going to represent three, three throughout 3,100, 3,200 people. People just wouldn't believe how easy it is to, to, to get elected in the state. It's wonderful, but you have, but you have to be busy. You have to get out there, you have to convince people yep. that, you know, you have their interests at heart. Your name has so, to be known and it has to be well thought of, and that's really all it, all there is to it. It's not much. Right. So libertarians, to, to roll this up, libertarians who feel strong, what they, what you need to do when you go to a meeting, you need not to take a torch into the room. You need to think about how to convey the argument and uh, how to promote candidates who will convey the argument in a way that the general public sort of understands. And, and to a certain extent, you will bring individuals along as you make rational arguments. But they jump right off and, buy the, and start to promote the extreme limits of the, of the, of the, of the philosophy of the, of the concept. Uh, Hookers, coke, and machine guns. I mean, that scares the hell out of people. And, you know... Uh, uh, it's just no place to go. I got you. Thank you, Paul Mursky. Uh, hey, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, this this uh, interview will be on the end of tonight's show, so you can uh, oh, download it then, and, and I'll actually put it up on the RLCNH uh, group there so that anybody else can listen to it. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good night now. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast, and at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Some restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com.